0: This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. The NFL season is
1: officially over. The Kansas City Chiefs are back-to-back Super Bowl winners. They do it in kind of dramatic fashion last night the ending of that game it was odd it was epic it was everything the game itself not great but the ending one of the best maybe of all time we got a lot to do on the super bowl the final nfl game of the 2023 season it ended last night with andy Reid winning another super bowl and the chiefs back to back they now have a chance to go three in a row we got that Holy moly, back from Vegas. We are at the Gallery Bar Book and Games in Atlantic City. Yes, uh, we were in the Vegas casinos all last week, and I am back in the Atlantic City casino today as the Super Bowl is in the books. Mike Gill, Ryan Rothstein, our on-site producer, Danny Ryan, Josh Henning. Back at the 97.3 ESPN studios, Uh, we can kind of look back at the Sixers weekend. They made the signing of Kyle Lowry. We got Eagles news. Hassan Reddick has uh, gotten permission for a trade. What is the messaging there? Sixers tonight. Flyers have won three in a row, by the way. And, oh, by the way, the Phillies, pitchers and catchers, will report (laughs) On Wednesday. That's nuts. So we got a whole bunch to dive into. But the game last night, Rye, yeah. you know, it was slow. If you were in a block pool last night <laughs> that had like, um, score changes. Yeah. There were not a whole heck of a lot of score changes in that game. No, there was not. There was not a lot of money changing hands. No. For those score change updates. Boring first hit. Really boring three quarters. It was. I, I put out there
2: jokingly, I'm like, this is the worst and best. And most boring and most entertaining Super Bowl of all time. (laughs) Like, I I don't know how to categorize it, dude. I mean, listen, it was boring, but it also wasn't because you knew with both those teams, like at any moment, you're waiting for the floodgates to open, right? It was was pretty much always a one-score game. I know Kansas City fell down early, but that don't mean squat. We've seen them come back in Super Bowls, and they did exactly that. So at the end of the day, I think it's one of the better Super Bowls of all time. Really? Yeah. Overtime? Yeah, I mean, I mean, come on! Ending, you get overtime, and with
1: the new rules, we got a lot to talk about. But I, I think it was up there. The ending of that game—oh my God! There's six seconds, five, and you're like, "What are they doing?" Right? And it was like basically—he was cool as a cucumber. We're man. rolling the dice. It's all or nothing. We're either scoring a touchdown and winning this game, or we're probably going to lose. I love that, though. I I agreed with that one thousand percent. I mean, listen,
2: we might—I'll bring it up right now. What are you doing, San Francisco?
1: Do you agree or disagree with that? You How wanted did, them to no, receive. They
2: didn't even know the, the rules. Well, they bro. didn't
1: know the rules. They, that's, they, that's unacceptable. They didn't. They admitted after the game many of the Niners that <laughs> they don't know the rules. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm not surprised. Like Come people on, man. act like. Come on. Come on, man is the right reaction. Right. But this is where like people act like because you play the game that you know every rule that you know everything about the game that you are so much more well versed. And this is where I say. I don't need someone who played the game to be my coach or my GM Mm -hmm. because just playing the game, I have played with so many people who were so good and have no clue about the game because just because they were athletically gifted doesn't mean they have the intellect to think the game.
2: No, I hear you, but that's not, that's not the point. The point is, I forget which uh, Kansas City Chiefs player came out after the game and said, Big Red, uh, prepped us on three different days, three different occasions. We went over the news uh, overtime playoff rules. That's on the coach. You, you're prepping for the biggest game of your life five minutes a day, dude. Hey, by the way, guys, playoff rules, just in case, mm-hmm. overtime, this is what's going to happen. If you want to blame Shanahan for that, I have no well, problem with that. That's what at. I'm
1: saying right. right. Yeah. Absolutely right. But I'm not surprised at all that the players, some of them, were uh, not aware. No, me either. I'm not either. I, they don't know a ton of the rules. Do you think Shanahan wasn't aware?
2: 100%. Yes, because he's allegedly this smart guy, innovative, knows everything, right? Like, the dude, if you know – is it fair to say if you know the rules, you're not, you're not deciding to get the ball first? There's think, no reason
1: to. Well, it's funny you say that because of the way the referee last night actually said it. It's a new game. We're mm-hmm. starting – it's not like, hey, this is – this is a new game, he said. So, basically – If it's a new game, you are thinking the way you would as if the game is just beginning. And if you would won the toss in a new game, the opening kickoff, would you have taken the ball there? The answer is probably no.
2: Right, exactly. And just like college football, like ideally you want the ball second. You're going up against the greatest of all time. You're going up against a guy that if he has the ball and he needs a touchdown to win a big game, guess what's going to happen? He's going to score a freaking touchdown.
1: So you're going to give the ball in Brock Purdy's put the ball in Brock Purdy's hands and say listen dude, you have to march us down the field and get I a touchdown. I thought that was one of the most surprising things of last night. I was watching the game with my buddy and I kept saying to him like they're letting Purdy try to win this game like they're putting the ball in his hands and he kept saying like yeah, stupid. Why aren't they using McCaffrey more? Especially look, they were up 10-3 and at that point you're like all right, we have a lead. It's not an insurmountable lead. But I thought they could have used McCaffrey more, and 100%. I thought they really leaned on Purdy way more than I anticipated. They did. And is that is that Shanahan's way of saying last time I got called too conservative?
2: Ah, uh, maybe I don't know. I don't know. I I, I think I, I would assume Shanahan's going to do whatever he needs to do to win, right? I don't think he hears the noise, but. I don't know. It, it, you put the ball in your defense's hands, so to speak, if you're Shanahan late in that game. Like, that's just idiotic, bro. It's idiotic. And for me, we can point to a lot of different places of the game where it was won or lost. You bring up a good point, though. You're up by double digits early in that game. That game was lost in the first half, if you're San Francisco. You got to score more points, dude. Because you know Mahomes is coming
1: for you. You know Kansas City's coming for you. Right? In theory, but. That's the thing with Kansas City this year. You're not as, like, you're not as afraid of their offensive firepower as you've you been in the be. past. You should be, though. I hear you. But it's still Mahomes. Like, you still feel like Mahomes is going to, is common for you. You do. You definitely feel like if the game is a one score, and that's where, right. listen, the biggest play of the game, there's two plays. Okay. The extra point. The guy misses the flipping extra point. i you brought that up. I mean, you missed the extra point. It cost you the Super Bowl. I don't Essentially. know if it did. I don't know if it did, though. That and then. What's the, the other one? Well, the the, the the punt. Hitting the guy in the leg. Yeah. 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 That, that's, teams, that's, that's
2: the play. Probably.
1: Special teams was a monster factor in that game last night. Yeah. Now, like you can make the argument, okay, the guy misses the extra point. The game's not tied then. They have to score a touchdown.
2: Right, but then I can come back with that and say, let's say he makes the extra point, M.G. Uh-huh. Now they're up four. Now they're up four. Instead but, of three. But Kansas City had the ball on, like, the five-yard line when it was 16-13, right? If it's seventeen thirteen, you can argue. They would have gone for Kansas it. Kansas City's more aggressive there. They end up scoring a touchdown. Sure, absolutely. Right? I mean, absolutely. The whole game changes, potentially, if that extra point is made. But I, I, you're right. You missed that extra point, dude. I, that's... You blew it. <laughs> How Good about day, last sir. night?
1: Two, The two longest field goals in Super Bowl history were connected on last night. Did yeah. you know that?
2: Yeah, I, I saw that stat. How the 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 guts for Andy Reid and Kansas City to go for it there for that field goal. I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? If you're barely inside the 50. If you shank this, like that was a huge make. That I was want a to key know, point.
1: I want to know, the people listening out there, 609-403-0973, would you surmise that that was a great game, a boring game, like an epic ending? Like, How would you kind of classify what happened in the game last night? I mean, yeah. the way that game ends, it was like anticlimactic and climactic all at the same time. You're just kind of like watching the clock go down, and you're thinking, what are yeah. they? Uh, and then, of course, it's the same play that they used to beat the Eagles last year. Yeah, it was- the same exact play as time expires. Now, I think there was three seconds left on the clock when they scored. little different. Yeah. yeah, a little different, but pretty much identical. It, it was... For me, I, I think it has
2: to be one of the better Super Bowls of all time. I know it wasn't 41-38. That's ideal. Like last year, 38-35. But I think it was one of the more intriguing chess match type of games with a lot of different key turning points that you can point to as the being the difference maker.
1: Yeah, I thought, well, and somebody just texted this in. I think this is interesting because he said, I love watching Spag's defensive strategy. Pressure, pressure, pressure. The interesting part about that, though, like there wasn't pressure, 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 not blitz, blitz, blitz. He picked the right time to blitz. Yeah, He showed that he, there was the McDuffie uh, corner blitz on that third down where Purdy had to kind of turn his back and throw, and that kind of stalled that drive out. But they weren't blitzing from, like, all these exotic angles and everything. No. They just picked the right time yeah, to kind of do it. They picked their
2: spots. You have to gamble at the right times, and hopefully it works out. It did. And guess what? They had the playmakers. That Kansas City defense is the most underrated story of the
1: season and the game yesterday. Uh this text is interesting. I heard that a new game. Was anyone else confused? I know the rule changes, but what they said on TV, it was changed again. It felt like the broadcast was trying to make it easier for the casual fan. Like the whole fact that the the rules changed. See, Kansas City would be more apt to know these things because they're part of the reason why the rules got changed. The game that they played in, yeah, absolutely.
2: But still, come on, man. I agree. I, but but, but it felt like a lot of people didn't know, including like the broad, the TV broadcast, and obviously people involved in the game had no clue. Well, why. Like this
1: Texas said it sounded like he was confused, and the way that the broadcast presented it, it made it seem confusing.
3: Yes, because they were confused. Well, guys, the broadcast should be confused because the referee literally said explained the rule before Romo and Nance ever talked again. So all Romo and Nance had to do is say, you heard the ref say, blah, 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 here's the plan. No, they, they decided to take it on some rabbit trail.
4: And that's why I was confused that the 49ers players had no idea of this rule. They
2: explained it to you before overtime started. I mean, even if you didn't know it up to The explanation that, was not clear though. I, that honestly, the explanation made me made me confused. But like, we knew what the rule was. I did. Why do the NFL players not? Know I the thought the I thought
3: the referee was pretty clear. He said that both teams ah. get a chance to possess the ball. Yeah, but he
2: was like, "It's a new game." That throws you off because it's like, "Okay, we playing out the fifteen minutes."
3: Well, it's not my fault. That, it's a new game. It's not That's my confusing. Not, it's not my fault that half the country is maybe blacked out, drunk, and doesn't can't listen to the referee talk.
1: I mean I, I didn't have one sip it. of alcohol last night. I
3: didn't yeah, say I think you might Oh, no, I just said the rest of the country.
1: Yeah, but I do think it was It was confusing.
3: confusing.
1: It was confusing. It was not a clear
2: right, statement. He he said, tripped
1: up on his words even. He's or, like, "No, I mean, I mean, for instance, okay, if you were in a block pool last night." Some of your block pools, the terminology is the final score yep. or end of game. End of game, yeah. And he said, and fourth quarter, "It's yeah. a new game." So somebody in our text message says, the game is over. Nine right. nine should win. The, whatever right. it was, should win. Yeah, two, He's two. saying right. that yeah. it's a new game. Yeah, the game is now. That statement was very confusing. I don't care who you are. It's it was confusing. It was like, and then so the Niners kicked the field goal. Did they think they won the game? Because they didn't celebrate like they thought they won
3: the game. No, they didn't.
1: No, they didn't because I think most
2: of the players looked at it like regular season overtime rules. Where let's kick the field goal, let's get a stop, we win the game.
3: You know what I'm saying? Which would have won them the game if they would have not let Patrick Mahomes run for a million yards.
2: Right, but they they didn't realize. They didn't realize. Here's the difference, though, Josh. They did not realize that if they score a touchdown, no matter what, the game's not over, which is not the case in the regular season. If you score a touchdown when you get the ball first in the regular season, it's over. If you kick a field goal in the regular season, the other team gets the ball back. I think this so is, that's the confusion and, and separation on it. Sorry to interrupt you, Rye.
4: Uh, I think the confusion really just stems down to this. Kyle Juszczyk, I don't know if you guys said this at the start of the show, but he said, I assume you just want the ball because you want to score a touchdown and win. And then Drew Tranquil of the Chiefs goes, we had an overtime rules presentation yeah, and we, strategy meeting every week of the playoffs. Yeah, we brought that up. And yeah. twice in our Super Bowl prep. Like, if you're Kyle Shanahan in that team, why are you not educating them on that? Yeah, Even we'll though it should be
1: common knowledge, though, right? Which you would yeah. think it's common knowledge, but I, it's amazing to me how many people think that these players would know that because they play the game. No, but it's not about There's the players, There's so many though. players who play the game and have no care in the world what the rules
2: 100%, are. 100%, but that's, that's the point we brought up is if you're Shanahan, you have to go over everything. Sure, that is Shanahan you have to go over and the coaching everything.
1: staff's job. But, like, we just assume, well, the guy plays football. He should know all the rules. No. No. That's why he doesn't know the rules. He is so talented that he doesn't need to know the rules. He just lets his talent perform. And that's why this stuff happens all the time because these guys don't care what the rules are.
2: No. But that's that's the point, though. It's These guys aren't going to know. So you have to make sure you prep them. But
1: here's the thing. So the 49ers kicked the field goal. It seems and sounds as if they know that that did not end the game. Yeah, they probably but what, knew. what's your point there, though? But then, so the what, it, what is their complaint? Like, they're saying we didn't know the rules. Yeah. So how did that affect the way that the game went for them, them not well, because, knowing the rules? Because the fact
2: that they didn't know the rules, they interpreted it like the typical rules of overtime, which is not the case now with the new playoff overtime rules. So you, like we talked about. You defer if you win the coin toss now. That's what you should do in playoffs. They didn't do that. Right? They felt like they were under the impression a touchdown wins the game. They weren't able to convert on a touchdown. Right? So that changes everything. What's So So
1: they they took the ball in overtime with the thought if we score a touchdown, the game is over.
2: Exactly. And that was not correct. So
1: that's idiotic. And then it is. You're you're giving Mahomes a chance
2: to sit back and see what do we need when we get the ball. You're putting all the pressure on Brock Purdy. I mean they just they they swung and missed on so many different aspects of that over time.
4: I don't feel bad for them at all. And you know, the name of you just mentioned Brock Purdy. If there's anyone on that team, Shanahan's not prepping them, not making it a point in their Super Bowl week to kinda, you know. Teach him these rules. Brock Purdy should know it. If there's one guy on that team that 100% has to know that,
2: maybe he did. It's the captain of the offense. I agree with you. Maybe he did, right? I don't know. Like, do you go to coach and say, hey, let's make sure we defer here if you're Brock? You have to. I don't know. In a game like that, like, you can't be like,
4: oh, I don't know. Like, you have to have that decisions.
1: The funny part is, and, and like, you know, how many times do we hear fans get. Angry, or maybe angry is not the right word, but like that. Out the-, the Eagles defer all the time. We well, got to take the ball. Yeah, you got to get the ball and go down and score and set the tone. Um, so, like, we're just assuming that you know you give the ball to Mahomes first, mm-hmm. so that you know what you have to get. There is listen, and there is an argument. I don't agree with this argument, but I'll
2: I'll communicate it. Where if you're San Francisco, you say we want the ball first. Let's try and get down and score. Right, because you can argue if we give Mahomes the ball, you know he's going to run down there and score a touchdown. Then there's even more pressure on Purdy, right? Yeah. So there is a case for wanting the ball
1: first. But that's a good point. It is that you now are saying that you want to put even more pressure on Brock Purdy Mm -hmm. to have to go down there and win the game for you. Yeah, like let's let's not even
2: make Purdy stand on the sideline and watch Mahomes in overtime just trot down the field and get a touchdown. And I'd be
4: fine with that if it was intentional. Right, exactly. But clearly exactly. their comments after the game you know, showed it that it wasn't intentional. So I, I just don't know, as an NFL team in the Super Bowl, with all the weeks leading up to that, how you can't prep for something like that. When it was announced, well, what, a two years ago?
1: I, yeah, it was yeah. after the chi- uh, Chiefs-Bills Chiefs Bills game. Yeah. Here's a question for you guys then. Can, uh, San Francisco, and this was something that my, my, uh, my buddy and I were talking about uh, last night, after the game, my my buddy out in Cali who was like, "What are they doing?" They kicked the field goal, and it was a short field goal, right? Mm-hmm. What was yeah. the field goal in the overtime? I don't know.
2: I mean, it wasn't a it
1: wasn't a bomb. I want to say maybe a thirty seven. Would 40-0? you have just said, "We got to score a touchdown here, go for"? Because even if we don't kick the field goal, mm-hmm. and we don't get the touchdown, yeah, no, you have same to. same situation. But even if they score a touchdown, they beat us.
2: No, but like. If you don't get any points, Kansas City... All they need is a field goal. Yeah, exactly. And now you're giving to them on, like, the 35-40. They only need 20 yards. And, you know, like, you have to get points. Your defense did stop Kansas City a bunch of times that game. The whole first
1: half Exactly. So you say, let's take the lead and let's hope we get a stop. For three quarters of that game last night, San Francisco was the better team. Right. He'll go with
3: 27 yards, by the way. So it's 27
1: yards. The ball's on the ten. So they get the ball. If you don't try for the field goal there. I was going to say, I thought they were pretty close. If you don't kick the field goal there and you go for it on the 10, Uh what was the down and distance, Josh? Do you know?
3: Uh, The previous down and distance was it was 4th and 4.
1: So 4th and 4 from a 10-yard line. And you go for it there. And let's say you don't get it. Kansas City now has to go 90 yards. No, they don't have to go 90 90 yards. yards. they got to go about... What seventy yards? Uh, I mean, the guy s-
2: the guy banged a fifty seven yarder with six yards to spare earlier in the game. True, but they got to, They like would you because you kicking the field goal obviously puts pressure on Kansas City
1: to score a touchdown. Now nah, you you, you got to kick. A field Is that goal even there. an option? Then no, I'm saying no. You just try to like on fourth down. No way. Um, no way. If it's fourth down, do you try to just go for it and say, us kicking a field goal, they're going to go down and score anyway. So we might as well try to go for it and score a touchdown.
2: I think that would be the dumbest decision in the history of football.
1: <laughs>
2: it's an interesting thought. I like that you brought it up. but in the Just Super- another angle. Exactly. In the Super
1: Bowl, though, come on, right? You have to you have to get the
2: points and take the lead in overtime in the Super Bowl. Purdy,
1: by the way, is 23-38 for 255. We were talking early fourth quarter. Like, who's the MVP of this game? Shh. You thought, thought it was. There was no answer. There was no answer. Jennings. Jennings. That, who ended up getting Mahomes? Right. Mahomes. Mahomes yeah. yeah. But it should have been Jennings. It, should, it would have been Jennings. It would have been ball. Jennings. Yeah. I mean, Mahomes ended up with 333 yards, two touchdowns. He was 34-36. But in reality, I mean, real, I, I mean, Jennings had.
2: Well, he had a touchdown pass, a, a touchdown, touchdown bat, catch, right, and a
1: catch. <laughs> yeah, <But laughs> and, and he had. Up, h- they yeah. lost the game exactly,
2: and he had a huge catch late in the fourth, I think, too. He did. Yeah. He had that catch, yeah. Like a 50-yard. It it,
1: it was one of those games where it was like a great game. It had a great ending. It was a slow. The beginning was slow, and you were like, oh, this game sucks. And then it just had so much wrapped up into the fourth and overtime. The
2: game was, we can talk and debate about the overtime stuff probably for the entire show. But I would say the I mean, game Look was, at
1: the text board. Yeah, I it's, mean it's, it's lit up. It's just absolutely everybody has a thought on it. It's it's you know so The game was just, lost
2: in the first half
1: in my opinion. Well, it felt like San Francisco had so many like my buddy looked at me and he said like San Francisco looks like they are like definitely the better team more into it like Kansas City mm-hmm. got off to the but they just kind of hung around. And here's the thing about Brock Purdy, man. I'm not a hater anymore.
2: The kid is a stud. He doesn't do anything to win you a football game, Shanahan never called a play where you're like, "Let's go for it, let's take a shot." It's three-step drop, six-yard pass. Aside from it's three-step Juan drop, pass eight-yard pass. Yeah, exactly. It. It's not even him. It's a receiver I mean, throwing it. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, I don't know. He's efficient. He's poised, but he's not. He's not a gamer.
3: But they didn't lose the game because of Brock Purdy. Who I mean,
2: that's my point, though, Josh. That's my point. He's not going to lose you a game. He's not going to win you. I disagree with that. He's not going to win you a game. I think Purdy
1: is a gamer. The problem is, he's a gamer, but with limitations. Like, if I I want that guy on my side, but like he's up against Patrick Mahomes. He's not better than Patrick Mahomes. No, and no one is. But like, Brock but Purdy is a gamer. He he he's the guy that you're like. I'll take that guy. I'll do. But just the limitations he has. In a game like last night is the difference.
2: Is Brock Purdy on Jalen Hurts' level?
1: Uh, Probably.
4: Hmm. I'd still say Jalen's a tier above him, even after the bad season. But statistically, aside from the interceptions, he passed all of his stats from last year, passing yards, touchdowns. Obviously, the fumbles were up, but I'd say he's a
1: tier above him. We had so much. Uh, Chiefs now. Look, I'm 47. I watch the Patriots. Are the Chiefs for the next generation behind us Are they going to, 20 years from now, be saying that Chiefs was better than what we watched with the Patriots? The Patriots got six. Mahomes is in his late 20s. 29. So he has a shot to pile up at least three more, and that would get him to six. So is this Chiefs team set up to surpass what our generation watched of the Patriots? they They feel like the Chicago Bulls right now. What was the Sixers' message at the NBA trade deadline? Mm. And they signed Kyle Lowry. What does that all mean? We'll talk about that. Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City. we got more on the Super Bowl. All your text messages, 609-403-0973. We're just getting started at the (laughs) Gallery Bar Book and Games at Ocean Casino in Atlantic City. More Sports Bash coming up on
0: 97.3 ESPN. It's this Mike Gill. And
1: I am the voice
5: of the voiceless on
0: 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app.
5: We're hopeful. You know, feedback has been more good than bad since uh, the first we heard about what led to his procedure. And so we're hopeful, and we're building the team to make it better this year. Uh, obviously, it's not 100%, but we felt like with Joel playing at an MVP level, we're hopefully can get back to that, that this was a year that we got a real shot. That
1: was Daryl Morey. What was the Sixers' message at the NBA trade deadline? Now that the dust has settled, Buddy Heald is here. They've signed Kyle Lowry. They sent out Pat Beverly and Marcus Morris. A lot of second-round picks went from here to there to everywhere. Daryl Morey says they're optimistic that Joel Embiid can return for the playoffs. Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City is here. Mike, um... Obviously, the trade deadline kind of was on a Thursday during Super Bowl week. The Sixers made a whole bunch of moves. Now that the dust has settled and the Embiid news came out, we saw the trades that they made. What was the messaging from Daryl Morey in your mind?
6: Yeah, I think, you know, kind of both sides now, right, basically. Because at one it seemed like they were kind of playing for next season with some of the guys they let go, Pat Beverly, uh, you know they they let Jaden uh, Springer go to Boston, and then all of a sudden they turn around and bring in Buddy Yield, and uh, you know now they're signing Kyle Lowry, and they're still and Daryl says they're still playing for this year. You know I, I think every year you think that Joel Embiid is going to be healthy for the playoffs, you have to you know try to maximize that window and, and go to win. But I'm just not sure. You know adding Buddy Yield and and Kyle Lowry, I, I don't know if that makes you any better you know, today than you were two weeks ago, even with a healthy Embiid in the lineup.
1: Well, I was going to say, do, do those moves indicate to you that they think Embiid's going to be back at some point? Or do those moves indicate to you, we don't really think he's coming back, and we just kind of made the the, the illusion that we tried?
6: Yeah, I guess the Kyle Lowry move kind of says, you think Embiid's coming back. I mean, you can always sell on me on the fact that Buddy Yield is going to be a shooter uh, and he's going to be here next year and you can never have too many shooters with Joel and Bead on the court. To me, the big thing about those additions is, you know, Buddy Yield comes from the Pacers. The Pacers are, you know, competing for a playoff stop spot with the, the Sixers. Kyle Lowry was in Miami. Miami is competing for a playoff spot with the Sixers. Miami gave up on Kyle Lowry. So you have two teams in, the, in your own conference. That are you know you're in direct competition with. They're both chasing you for a playoff spot, and, and and those two teams are willing to give up those two players. You kind of wonder how good those players are, basically.
2: Yeah, this is what I what I uh, how I assess what what transpired, and then just want you to react to it, like McGarry. I, I look at it as it's more roster turnover. And I understand you have to be aggressive. You have to figure out ways to improve the roster to try and set yourself up for a title run. But this is every season. This is every season. And I look at when everyone was healthy this year. I felt like this team could compete for a title. They could come out the East. And now you have no Embiid. You have a bunch of new guys. And you have to try and figure out chemistry on the fly whenever Embiid does return. So I just look at it as a a big head scratcher, in my opinion.
6: Yeah, and, and, you know, right now, I think they're not a very good basketball team. You know, when you put the five guys they put out on the floor, I mean, the other night you had Campaign out there, Buddy Heald, Tobias Harris, even with Maxie out there, uh, B-Ball, Paul Reed. That's not a good basketball team that you're throwing out there, especially when you look at what the other teams in the East have done. The Knicks have been bothered by injuries, but they added two substantial pieces at the deadline and, uh, from the Pistons, one of them being Bogdanovich. You look at the paces added Siakam in the past few weeks. You know, the Boston Celtics went out and got a big guy. They kind of fortified themselves. Milwaukee changed coaches, although that hasn't worked out too well for them so far up the bat. But you look at the moves the other teams in the East made, uh, even Miami bringing in Rogier and, and you look at what the Sixers have done, and, and what the Sixers have done has kind of failed in comparison. And you go back to the good start they had when Embiid was playing great. But, you know, go back and look at the teams they were beating early in the season when they were, you know, when we started to think, hey, maybe this is a team that can tend. It seemed like every other day they were playing the Wizards or Charlotte, basically. When the schedule got tougher, uh, you know, they weren't as, as successful. So yeah, with a beat out of the lineup right now, I just look at this as a basketball team as just not being very good. And you know, although I agree that if Embiid is going to be healthy for the playoffs, and who knows, you got to put yourself in position to take advantage of a healthy Embiid. But you know, it's it's you know they can say they have positive reports right now, but nobody really knows. You're not going to know until you know. Uh, Maybe until he walks out there to that first playoff game or tests the knee in practice or something like that. Nobody knows if he's going to be ready to play. But I, I can kind of see the wisdom of saying, hey. We've got to be prepared if he is because he has only so many years left. I'm not talking about him maybe asking out of Philadelphia. I'm talking about in his career, you know, how many more years does he have left, basically. Pat Bev, uh,
2: obviously a fan favorite, right, but I'm not even, you know, referring to that. I I look at what he brings, the intangibles, a word we like to say a little bit too much here in in the Delaware Valley area. But um, his intangibles and his leadership and his toughness and his physicality, not going to show up in the box score, Sixers lost that. Uh, Do you think that's fair? Do you think they got better with campaign, right? Like just focusing in on Pat Bev and and what he brought, what he did not bring. Um, How do you assess that?
6: Yeah, I just think Pat Beverly is a guy. That's when, you know, I say uh, both sides now, because Pat Beverly is a guy, to me, who you want to play for you in the playoffs. I think his value is maximized. In the playoffs, right? I mean, what he does, that toughness, that defense, even you know his timely ability to score uh, is maximized in the playoffs. And when you let that go, I kind of says to me, well, maybe you're playing for next year. But then when you bring in Buddy Yield and you bring in a veteran, Kyle Lowry, it says, does- hey, you know, maybe, uh, you know, you are playing for this year. I guess maybe, you know, you you save some money with Pat Beverly and you hope that Kyle Lowry can be that veteran guy who's been in all sorts of playoff games, played NBA champion with Toronto, kind of has that, that bev, you know, uh, uh, sort of thing where if he's on the other team, you hate him. If he's on your team, you love him. Uh, Maybe they hope that Kyle Lowry can supply some of those qualities going forward and in the postseason.
1: All right. Mike McGarry for the Press of Atlantic City. There's your Sixers tonight. They're taking on the Cavs, who uh, right now two seed in we the never East. Legit, really good team here. <laughs> um, let's look at uh, Super Bowl last night. Uh, first takeaway from a game that was three-quarters boring and then had an epic ending for you. How did you view Super Bowl 58?
6: Well, two things. Like we talked about, you know, after those championship games, Don't bet against Mahomes. Don't pick against Mahomes. Don't let Mahomes hang around. So if you let him hang around, sooner or later, he's going to make plays, and he's going to beat you. And I thought the 49ers, I thought, you know, it's great. Chiefs won three Super Bowls in whatever, five years. Mahomes, maybe the number two quarterback of all time right now, although i still put him slightly behind Joe Montana. I think if he gets one more, then he can uh, pass Montana, and then it's obviously Brady at number one. But I look at, the, uh, you know, what a horrible loss it was for the San Francisco 49ers. If you're the 49ers and you're Kyle Shannon, I mean, how many of these Super Bowls does Kyle Shannon get to blow? You got the Atlanta game where he's offensive coordinator. You got the Jimmy G game where he's up 10 in the fourth quarter. And you have a game last night where I thought, honestly, the key play of the game was the McCaffrey fumble on opening drive they they were going to score there to go up 7 nothing then they got the penalty which negated the big pass on their second possession they would have got at least a field goal there or maybe even a touchdown the 49ers were dominating the chiefs offense the 49ers defense was you know the 49ers should have been up 14 nothing 10 nothing minimum in that first quarter once that happened once that it was 0-0 at the end of the first quarter, and they had blown those opportunities. Now you're just allowing Mahomes to hang around, and if you allow him to hang around, he's going to beat you.
2: Let's talk about the overtime because that's something that's – it's really the debated topic uh, on this Monday after the Super Bowl. We spent pretty much the entire first segment talking, debating it, looking at it from every angle. So how, how do you look at it? Obviously 49er players came out after the game. A bunch of them had no idea – what the new playoff overtime rules looked like. They thought if you get the ball first and you score a touchdown, game's over, you're the champion. Um, Not the case. You know, if you're the Niners, should you put the ball in Purdy's hands to start? And how much of a blunder is that on Shanahan's aspect of it for not coaching his players up on what these new rules really looked
6: like? Well, I I, I mean, I, I would... Blame the coaches for telling them you know, the, you know, whether the players knew the overtime rule or not. The coaches have got to know it, and they've got to be prepared for that, you know, um, scenario. Now, if you get the ball first in that situation, you know, you probably got to score a touchdown there to feel good about yourself. Uh, if, and if you get the ball second, you know what you're dealing with. You know, okay, field goal ties it, touchdown wins it. So you can sort of manage the game differently. So I bet you know, the next time we go to overtime in Super Bowl history, the team that wins the toss is going to take the ball second. Yep. You know, as far as the fourth and fourth situation, you know, fourth and four is a lot down there. So I, I can't blame uh, the 49ers for kicking that field goal because, you know, imagine that fourth and four, they go for it, they don't get it, and uh, the uh, Chiefs drive. 50, 60 yards and kick a field goal with their kicker. Once they get over midfield, they're in field goal range and, and win the game there. So, you know, at some point, you got to trust your defense to sort of make a stand. Uh, and the 49ers got to try to keep uh, the Chiefs out of the end zone because if the Chiefs kick a field goal there, we keep going, right? So, um, fourth and four, a little much there. Fourth and two, I'm definitely going for it. Fourth and one, I'm definitely going for it. Fourth and wow. four, probably a little different there. And and maybe you should have run McCaffrey a little bit more on, on first, second, or third down to maybe not give yourself a fourth and four. Maybe give yourself a fourth and two or a fourth and one in that situation.
1: Mike McGarry for the Press of Atlantic City as uh, Super Bowl 58 is in the book. You know, Mike, we lived through the 20-year Patriot run. Will this Chiefs run surpass what we watched?
6: I don't think so. You know, you hear today – But people say Mahomes, greatest quarterback of all time. He's on the way to uh, uh, Brady. Well, Brady's got seven, right? Three's a lot. Three's a long way from seven. You never know what's going to happen. Again, I I never pick against Pat Mahomes again. Maybe he will. But he's, uh, you know, not even halfway there, right? So three is not seven. So to me... You know, to go to equal what the Patriots did with six Super Bowls and, and, you know, however many Super Bowls they got to, uh, you know, whether they get to ten, at least nine, right, nine or ten Super Bowls during that stretch, it's a long way to go. Three is not seven. The, The Patriots, Belichick, and Brady are safe for now. That doesn't mean that the Chiefs aren't on the outside, you know, coming hard down the stretch here chasing them, but right now the Patriots are still in the lead.
1: All right, Mike, uh, obviously uh, it was a, a an, kind of a weird ending uh, for the game and, and the way the season ends, but uh, the Chiefs win back-to-back, and that moves us to baseball. The Phillies pitchers and catchers will report on Wednesday. If the Phillies get to opening day without adding another piece, would you be disappointed, or are you okay with them essentially running it back?
6: I think they got to add a, a, another guy. I think they're going to look to add an outfielder. I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, a starting pitcher, Jordan Montgomery, if his market is, I couldn't see them adding a guy there. But I think they're going to add an outfielder, especially with the Brandon Marsh knee surgery. And I think you're going to wait. I think they might wait a week or two and see how Johan Rojas looks. If I'm him, I start hot. If he's not hot, and Brandon Marsh is still kind of gimpy with that knee, then I think you got to go out there and, you know, get Cody uh, Bellinger or someone like that to play the outfield for you. I think they're I think they going to be in the market for an outfielder, and I would monitor the market on the Jordan Montgomery guy. If, if they can afford him and slot him in, uh, you know, I'd I look for them to do that too. So I see a, a move or two coming. I don't see them beginning the season – with the current roster. I, I know they'd love to have Johan Rojas as their opening day center fielder, but boy, if he does not have a great, you know, spring training or a great start to spring training, then I think you've got to make a move and bring a guy, a veteran in because, you know, the bottom line, Mike, is, you know, we talk about, you know, guys have a lot of years left on contracts, right? Harper has attorney left. Trey Turner has 10 years. But these guys are, you know, they're in their early thirties now. They're, their window here is is closing, and it, and it can shut quick, as we saw in you know, 2011. So you got to. This is a win now team. Uh, the open is the window is open now. They have to win now, and you got to do everything you can to maximize the chances of winning this year. So I would suspect them to make a, a move or two here, especially we're going to see how the first couple of weeks of, of spring training goes, uh, you know, especially watching that outfield, that Brandon Marsh knee injury and yeah. Johan Rojas in center field with the three agents they have out there. I mean, those guys are just too good to pass up. If you can add one of those guys, I, I think you got to do it. Yeah, that Marsh
1: thing kind of came out of nowhere uh, that he now will miss some time. They hope that he's back by the time the regular season starts, but that might mean that Rojas is going to have to start the season. All right, Philly start Wednesday, Sixers tonight, Super Bowl 58. We've got it all for you here on the Sports Bash. Mike McGarry, everybody, from the Press of Atlantic City and PressofAtlanticCity.com. Thanks, Mike. Hey, great talking to you guys. We'll see you down the road. Thanks for a you. Thanks, As always, Mike, uh, back next uh, early uh, on uh, Wednesday, we're live here at the Gallery Bar Book and Games at Ocean Casino. You know, I'll tell you, I was at the Luxor, Yeah. And I went to Mandalay Bay, and I would have to now, as much as I've never been to Vegas and I was thoroughly impressed. Okay. I was impressed, I gotta admit. I mean, come on, how can you not be? But I will say I didn't see a lot of sports books. But the ones that I did see were not better than this one. There you go. This is as good as it gets. Well, I mean this is brand spanking new and I think they, like but yeah. I was in like Luxor which I think was an older
2: one that's an older one yeah
1: and Mandalay Bay which I think is a little bit of
2: an older one yeah I mean they've all been around for the most part but you no know, they they just don't meet
1: the sports books here particularly Ocean no this one the gallery is legit like the yeah. TVs are plentiful like some of those are smaller like you know yeah, it like feels dark like dark and dingy very dark dingy yes. and like yeah. they still have like the, the old like Video boards with like the light bulbs with like the right. You they know. still have like pencils, the you know. But I paper. did leave <laughs> Vegas way better than what my thoughts were. I didn't
2: see you playing blackjack with Jason Kelsey and Dave Portnoy and those. No, guys. I but we were I supposed to have
1: Bert Kreischer on the show. No way. And I think he
2: blacked out. Overserved.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's very rarely is he underserved. More <laughs> sports bash coming up. I'll tell you about. The most interesting person that I
0: bet out there. Okay. Coming up next on the Sports Bash. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. All
1: right, 253 Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. Mike and Ryan, we're at the Gallery Bar Book and Games, kind of settling back in after a wild week in Vegas. Now, I saw a lot of people out there. Dion Sanders, The Rock. Saw the rock? I saw the rock. Like just from a distance or did you go up and talk to him? No, I mean he was like say I was here and I would say he was like over where that roulette table is. Did you smell what he's cooking? I did. Nice. I did yeah. smell what he was cooking. All right. cool. <laughs> Smelled like he went with the jambalaya. Yeah, he always does. This uh, is good a too. lot of like you know, we we had a chance to have Fletcher Cox on, we saw Devontae Smith, Jordan Davis, um, we had Britt Covey on, who, whose conversation I thought. We'll play some of those bites a little bit later. People are still talking about that. Yeah. Um, but the most interesting man that I ran into.
2: Okay. Now, this isn't someone on the show. This is just in general, the
1: most interesting. Shows were over. Yeah. Packed up. Mm-hmm. Getting ready to go to the airport. Just kind of killing time. Okay. The two guys I was going to go to the airport with, they're from Albany. And they said, look, we got to go up to the room. Go get our bags. I said, well, all right. I'll wait for you guys here. There's a bar right over there. I'll, I'll meet you in the bar. Yeah. Okay. I sidle up to the bar. There's two guys sitting there. I get the third seat. It's me, a guy, and then another guy. All right. Checks I, out. I order my beer. Guy delivers the beer. This guy next to me starts talking to me. I look over and stopped right in my tracks. I said, are you Joey Chestnut? <laughs> <laughs> the hot dog champ? The goat? Greatest of all time. Wow. An man. American hero, by the way. This is yeah, obviously. Right next to you or the guy that was He was where Danny is. Okay. So there was, the was a guy between you. There was yeah. you were the guy that was talking to me. Yeah. And then he was Joey Chestnut. Wow. So how did that go down? How long were you hanging with him? Probably two hours. <laughs> what? Oh yeah. Nice guy. Gobble any glizzies with him? He was there to <laughs> Double G? He was Goblin there to glizzies. Um to uh like guess officiate or whatever uh uh hamburger eating contest ah of course he was yeah with max crosby what a life dude really yeah with max Crosby. max crosby was eating the hamburgers no he no, was, he was uh, officiating match, gotcha yeah. gotcha but super nice guy i actually got some news i got some insight i can't share with people wow i the was hot sworn space? to secrecy on this one all right yeah but super nice guy hung out like the whole time and like didn't sit down. He got up. Was like just hanging out, like as we were, like yeah. we knew each other our whole lives. Wow, Joey Chestnut. Joey. The funny Chestnut. part is, I took a picture. I said to my girlfriend, and they knew exactly who he was. And he's like, "How do these people know me?" I go, "Listen, I worked with CM Punk, and they had no clue who he was. They know you, <laughs> dude. He's he's a legend. You're an American hero. Yeah, t- <laughs> damn right he is. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most interesting person,
0: man, that I met. What are we in Vegas? <laughs> we're back with more." This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now, live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill.
1: Hour two Sports Bash live at the Gallery Bar Book and Games at Ocean Casino Resort. What's up, everybody? Mike Gill back in Atlantic City. Ryan Rostey, our on site producer is Danny Ryan. This hour of the show, brought to you by Broadleys Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning, your trusted source for heating and plumbing service and installation for generations, 609-390-3907, onlinebroadleys.net. So much to dive into, Super Bowl, tons of text messages, we'll start to rip off some of those, 609-403-0973. Your impression of Super Bowl 58, how this season ended. By the way, the overhead on the amount of times Taylor Swift made the television. Yeah, shocker. My goodness. I thought she'd be shown way more. I think it was like seven. Yeah. I think it ended up being like in the seven or eight range. Unreal. Now, did you know the, the crew she was with? I mean, I know she was with the family, Jason Kelsey,
2: mom, Mama Kelsey, and then what? Well, uh, I don't know who... Spicy so Ice is or something. I don't
4: Spicy know. Ice, yes. I don't know who
2: Ice... Icy Hot.
4: So it's Ice Spice. <laughs> she's kind of similar. You know, I mean, she, her music's okay. Um, and it I've was never also heard of her. Blake I don't know, I've heard of her. I
1: didn't know who Blake Lively is. No, people said I should have known when she's married wife? to Ryan Reynolds. Yes, yeah. wife of Ryan Reynolds. Okay. You would know her. You would know her. She's in a bunch of movies. Like I looked at her filmography. I did not recognize any. Wow. All right.
2: Yeah. That's surprising.
1: I did not recognize any of the movies... Like the sisterhood of the traveling pants was the one that I recognized the name of, but I've never seen. Ryan, you should not. I I mean,
3: what I'll say, Ryan should not be surprised if you don't know a famous actress. You don't watch a ton of movies.
1: No, but like, there's times when like I'm like, okay, I've heard of the movie. I looked at a lot of her filmography. Like, is there a movie that I'm missing? Like, you're like, how did you not see her in this?
2: I mean, no, she's not like... Yeah, she's not an excellent <laughs> <Exactly>. actress, but <laughs> <everybody> she's <laughs> just
1: was picking her out like, how did you not know who...
2: I, she's probably the most famous currently for being Ryan Reynolds' wife. Okay, but when they said Blake Lively, I got to be
1: honest, I thought she was like a country artist. I see that. She sounds like that. a country artist. Yeah, like a name that. like Blake Lively sounds like you should be singing country music. Her One of my favorite movies
2: uh, of hers is Savages. I don't know that movie. Yeah, you wouldn't,
1: yeah. But so, But out there. they showed her... Over six times because somebody that was at, you know, the place we were at had the over on that.
3: I mean, I would say that if there was a movie that she was in that you might have seen her would would have been The Town. But, I mean, aside from that, if you don't really watch a ton of movies... Then you might not know who she is. Yeah, yeah she was what?
4: in Green Lantern, but probably didn't have a prominent role in that.
3: Mike's not watching Green Lantern.
1: No, I, I'm just
4: saying you're no, confusing Mike Gill with Josh. I don't
3: Hennig.
1: recognize the name from like. Oh yeah, she was in Green Lantern. How did I forget what that? About, right, it, right. What about what
2: uh, about accept it with Jonah Hill, where they where they create the fake college?
1: No, not funny. Go that movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I missed that one.
2: Yeah, it's okay. Darn it,
1: you're not missing much, <laughs> but it's funny. except
3: it was pretty funny though.
1: It was funny. It's a funny movie for sure. As funny as my best encounter being with Joey Chestnut. Uh, No, you're not gonna top that encounter. Is that impressive or?
2: Yeah, I think you peaked (laughs) in that moment.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's all downhill from here, man. I think I have an invite to the next hot dog eating contest on Coney Island. (laughs) It's gonna be me. Like, Joey. escorting Joey Chestnut <laughs> to the stage. You know? like, You're I'm walking his, out with his crew. I'll be entran- Paul Heyman. Yeah. You know, like, I'm his hype man. Paul-
3: <laughs> I can see that. I-, yeah. I think, Mike, you would be a good Paul Heyman type.
1: I told him. I'm like, the guy who's like, I think his name's George Shea, is the, the guy with the hat that does the mic work yeah. for the Nathan's Hot Dog. I was like, dude, that guy. He's like, oh he's epic because like chestnut he he's very timid quiet like not a yeah like it's not his element to be like right. you know having to do it but he's like that guy gets me so hyped up like <laughs> he's just like so excited um, but yeah um I Imagine. don't know, look there they are nope that's is that uh, yeah that's uh no that's that's actually that's Lamar the owners folks yeah 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 I didn't see uh, did you see the video of Mahome's brother? Trying to get yes. into, I was going to yes. some place. Oh my! <laughs> God, that <laughs> was <laughs> beautiful. And then Brittany Mahomes is like, "Oh
4: well, I tried." Keeps
1: dancing. That's great. She like, yeah. He says to the, um, I guess it was like the security guy. He's like, "Hey, I'm with Patrick Mahomes. His wife is like right there." And the guy's like, "I don't care." <laughs> and then they looked at her, and she was like. Sorry. <laughs> she's like, I'm not helping this clown. Well, she, well,
3: earlier in the night, yes. Taylor Swift blew him off, too, because he was, like, trying to, like, hang out with Taylor. And Taylor gives him, like, this death look, like, go take that somewhere else.
4: Well, Brittany also tried to help him get in. Like, the clip right before the security guard's denying him, Brittany's up there in her fur little coat. And she's, like, saying, hey, he's with me. And he still wouldn't let her let him in. So, I mean, I, that was beautiful to see with all he's been guilty of over the past year or so. Yeah, it's,
1: it's a um, sad existence for that kid. Yeah, I mean.
3: It's really strange, guys. Isn't it like that? Like, For as amazing as Patrick Mahomes is, both his brother and his father are really not smart people.
4: Yeah, his father on the field after they win, just like hugging everyone like nothing just happened. He didn't get his third DUI. (laughs) It's crazy.
3: The father, right? Yes, the father. Did
4: you
1: know Purdy's dad also was a pitcher? No, I had no clue. He made it to AAA. Wow. Sean Purdy, he pitched for the Gwinnett. That checks out that his dad made it to AAA, but just, you know. Yeah. Not 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 Major League. All right, 609-403-0973. Uh, looking back at uh, the game last night. So there's so many moments in this game because early in the game, there wasn't a lot that happened, but there were so many things that did not happen that caused the game to go down the path that it went.
2: 100%. I, I mean, can we bring up? The Travis Kelsey and Big Red moment on the sideline that everyone's up in arms about. Mm-hmm. I mean, Travis Kelsey. I'm sure everyone knows what I'm referring to. Goes to the sideline, gets in his face. He almost kills the man. <laughs> I mean, he has a he has a fake hip. He almost <laughs> knocks him over. But I like I love that moment.
7: Yeah, I thought
2: it was great. I thought it was great. And to me, I credit Andy Reid. I think that is another example of why Andy Reid is arguably the greatest coach of all time. Because he lets his players show emotion, be
1: themselves. He manages them appropriately, and they went back and won the game. Yeah, I, I would imagine that Andy Reid could care, couldn't care less about what happened there. Hundred percent. Is probably like completely over it. They they asked. I don't him know about that it. he had anything in the moment that he was like not. Even, when I say over it. I don't think he was ever like bothered by it.
2: No, they asked him about it after the game. I watched him live being you know asked about it. He was like Travis wanted the ball more. He's like I don't blame him. He's like, so? Yeah. I went and talked to him, shot him the
1: ball board. Have you looked at my other options? <laughs> right, if yeah. I were him, I'd be asking for the ball, too. Right. <laughs> so he's like, it's really no big
2: deal. Like, So I I don't know. I, I thought that was awesome and just another example of his greatness. I uh, didn't
4: think it was as appalling as people made it out to be. And I mentioned this to Mike before we, get, we got live on the air. Do you remember they were playing the Raiders, I believe? Kelsey was just very frustrated, literally just threw his helmet as far as he could against the bench, ricocheted off the bench, and honestly became like a weapon at that point. Reed went up to him after and said, hey, what was that about? And, like, shoved him. He bumped him. He's like, I said, hey, what was that about? You yeah. know? So that's the relationship they have. All exactly. the snowflakes were all pissed off on social media. Like, I think the screaming probably went over uh, the top for a lot of people. But, Dude, again, the
3: Super Bowl. I liked it. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's passion. You're like, trying to win the biggest like?
1: game of all if, the time. If this was an Eagles player who was showing that sort of passion and something, I'm sure people would have loved it. Right. Exactly. Well, that's kind of
3: what A.J. Brown tweeted out, right? A.J. Brown was like, if that was me, I would have been kicked out of the game. He's a clown.
2: I'm sorry.
4: And then he deactivated his account. Why after. would they
2: kick him out of the game for, for right. yelling at his own coach? Yeah, dude, A.J. Brown, well, we've seen you frustrated and yelling plenty of times. Bro. He said
4: he'd Thank get you. kicked out of the league, and obviously he was overreacting and half-joking, but I, I found it very bizarre that he was backtracking, saying it wasn't him tweeting that and that somebody hacked his account. Yeah, just double down on didn't it. Own it, it
2: man. Own it. A
4: teammate jump in, like Slay or something, going, hey, know. that's not A.J.? And, and shocker, he's deactivated his account this morning, yeah. so...
1: Yeah, well, um, all right, guys. The Niners' defense let Mahomes down the field for the tying field goal. The defense was gassed. For the Niners to put that defense right back out there for overtime would not have been the right decision. <laughs> I, I come on, man. I, I can't agree with that, dude. It's it's football. Like, what
2: are you talking about? So you want Mahomes to have the ball second? The whole strategy is to... Their defense
1: was gassed Uh at the end of regulation. So how did that work out? So if you had to put the defense (laughs) back out there, they would have gone down and scored a touchdown.
2: Well, they scored a touchdown a touchdown anyway.
1: The whole point is that you're in a better strategic position if you defer. Guys, the Niners' mistake was not going for it. In overtime, when they were in the red zone, if they didn't convert the fourth down, they were pinned deep near their end zone. Well, that's what I said earlier. Yeah. Was one of the options that you could have at least considered when you had the ball like inside the 15-yard line on fourth and four, should you have gone for it there instead of kicking the field goal? Because then, if you know, you could have scored the touchdown. You could have got a first down.
2: It's it's fair. Like, I joked when you first brought that up and saying that would have been the dumbest move of all time. I, I actually get the point for that. You, you put it in your own hands and you try and just get a tutty, right? Like, I get that. It's not as ridiculous as I initially thought, that's all.
1: Uh, San Francisco wanted the ball third if it came to that because that's when sudden death starts. If San Francisco and Kansas City push on their first drives, then San Francisco will get the ball third and have a chance to end the game with a field goal. That's what Shanahan explained. I can see both arguments for the possession of the ball in overtime. So that's interesting. They're saying if we kick a field goal, we would hope our defense holds them to the field goal. Then we get the ball back, and then if we score, Come the game on. is now over. Can you buy that? I don't ah, buy. It. I don't bad. buy. It. I don't buy that. I can't buy that. Well, you're look, look, all night your defense has performed for sure. But you can't. You're telling
2: me his thought process was looking at the third possession, assuming you both
1: wouldn't get a touchdown?
2: Right? Like, you got You you have to look I at think,
1: it. I think that, that, that mindset is if we kick a field goal, our defense is good enough to hold them to a field goal. And if we score a touchdown, even if they score a touchdown, now we get the ball in sudden death.
2: Yeah, but with that thought process, if you're confident in your defense and you say, let's give the ball to Mahomes, we'll stop them, and we'll get the ball and score a touchdown and win the game. Like, I
1: think that's an overthought. I would just say only based on the fact that their defense had done the job all night. Yeah, but
2: that's my point. If your defense did the job all night, then you're good with giving Mahomes the ball first and stopping them. I, I, I just don't think you can look at it.
1: No, I hear what you're saying, but I'm yeah. saying that,
2: that explanation, explanation, makes the most explanation sense.
1: is not ludicrous.
2: Okay. I can get on board with
1: My that. My friend,
4: he told me about that last night, and I thought about it. I go, okay, I can understand why they did it, because you don't want to just throw a gas defense out there because you know what will happen. But against a quarterback like Mahomes, like you already know what's going to exactly. happen in a late-game situation like that. Exactly. So give it to him. Let you know him get the touchdown over with and see if you can tie it and extend the game. But, you know, hindsight's 20-20. We're playing Monday morning quarterback here.
1: All right, so here's something from Joe and EHT. So the clock was winding down, and they – Basically, it was like six seconds left, and they're still like, you know, we're like, what are you doing here? Yeah. So he says the game wouldn't end after that play. It would have went to another quarter, just like a new game. So if they didn't score on that play, they would have gone to another quarter.
2: What's he talking about? The end there with where the, the Chief scored a ending. touchdown?
1: The game is coming to an end. Yeah. Well, Okay. The overtime period, the first one, is coming to an end. There's six seconds left. So we're all like, why aren't they calling timeout? What are they doing? Like, Because if they don't get this, you won't even have enough time really to kick the field goal. But he's saying that if you still have the possession, just because the quarter ends doesn't mean the game's over. That the quarter, you're, you get to finish your possession. Okay, yeah. What down was it?
2: Where they it was, scored the touchdown?
1: I think touchdown. when they scored it was second down. Okay. I want to say. On that, Josh, was that
3: right? I'm um, I I have to switch up to a tad. Give me a sec.
1: I think it was second down, but there was like six seconds left in the game when they went to the line and like took that snap. So you're like, what is going on here? So that was a little confusing too. That okay. it's not an overtime period yeah, the I don't. game would switch. Yes, because the position, the possession never ended.
4: Yes. So, if the score is still tied at the end of an overtime period, or if the second team's initial possession has not ended, the teams will play another overtime period. Correct. Play will continue regardless of how many overtime periods are
1: needed for a winner to be determined.
3: And there was three seconds when Hardman scored that touchdown,
1: and he took the snap at six seconds. Right. I'm pretty sure there was six seconds left when he took the snap because they had one timeout remaining. They they bungled the clock there because they. Romo was actually right for once. He was saying I would down it right here, take the snap and clock it. They burned like 10, 15 seconds off the clock.
3: Yeah, when they got when they got the pass to Kelsey, that was at fifty seconds. Then when they snapped like you said, Mike, it was six seconds. So they burned a lot of time.
1: Yes. So, but then at six. Was that the Chiefs' second possession? Now now I'm questioning everything. No, this is the first. No, but.
2: This is the overtime.
1: It was the overtime.
2: No, I know. That was the first time they had the ball in overtime. Yeah, because San Francisco
1: kicked the field goal, and then they they never.
2: Each
3: team only had one. They had had the ball for seven minutes and 19 seconds.
1: Okay. But. I'm just revisiting the rules. As Danny said in the rule there, let's say. So that was what down, Josh?
3: That was first and goal.
1: When they scored? Yes. All right, so it's first and goal with six seconds left. Let's say the pass goes incomplete incomplete and the game doesn't end there. Right. Well, there was three seconds left, so they would have been able to run another play. Yeah,
2: but no, we're saying if the clock runs out. But My point is they
1: wouldn't have had to kick a field goal with three seconds left to tie the game. They could have, on second down, gone for another touchdown, and then if the clock expired to zero Mm – A second overtime quarter would have resumed. Okay. Yeah. See, I'm watching it thinking they only had three seconds left.
2: Yeah, me too. Doesn't change anything. At that point, Kansas City won the game, essentially. Well, it's the
3: idea that you still had to tie the game, though, in order to go to the next overtime. Because remember, the 49ers led 22 19.
1: I'm thinking they have huge grapefruits to go for it like that. Like, we either score this touchdown or we're losing. And that's not the case. But they even – they I, I, I don't know, man. But, you they, were, but they, they
2: asked Andy Reid after the game about that. They were like – I think it was um, Jones Drew for NFL Network. He was like, I was nervous. I was sweating. I saw the clock ticking. I thought you were going to run out of time and lose. And Andy was like, I know, but that was the play we were confident about. I felt like they were going to get to the line before the clock hit zero. So even Andy Reid was answering that question – like, they were not going to go into a second overtime.
1: Seems like there was definitely some confusion on, on yep. around there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, because I'm watching this thinking, what stones they have to say, we're either scoring a touchdown here or we're going to lose the game.
2: Yeah, and that's how Andy answered that question. He sort of was like, acknowledge that thought process. Do you guys
3: also think that maybe Andy's thought was, look, we this is our possession. It's not like the game's going to end before we get to finish our possession. So, do you think maybe that was Andy's philosophy? Was take as much time as you guys need?
1: Well, I don't know if he knew. I don't know if he knew. That. If he knew
3: the rule, then sure. Of I think course. Andy knew the rule better than Shanahan did. Well, oh, that's, that's clear instead. Yeah, that's Clearly, clear. I mean, but that's way, a lot.
1: But as Ryan is suggesting, and I didn't hear this answer, was that he answered the question as if he wasn't really aware right. that the quarter would go into a new quarter. Yes. That's how I interpret it and
2: assess his answer postgame. So, you know, I I, I don't know. It, it, it was confusing
1: for everyone. I think that's one thing we can agree on. 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. Uh, give us your thoughts on Super Bowl 58 and also the Chiefs. I, I definitely want to hear of people out there, especially, like, if you're in that, like, 35 to 50 range. Mm -hmm. of age where we saw the Patriots. Yeah. And, you know, you just took for granted the Patriots are going to win every year or they're at least going to be in contention every year. Do we think that this Chiefs run will surpass what we saw? Now, McGarry said no, and one of his reasons was like, look, they made how many Super Bowls, the Patriots? They won six, and how many did they lose? I mean,
2: Brady, I think, They lost three.
1: Yeah, so they were nine. Right, yeah. So you're you're talking about the Chiefs have now done what, four out of five years they've been in?
3: Uh they they've been there and they they won three, they lost the one to Brady.
1: So they've been in three out of four.
3: They won three out of four appearances in four and five years.
1: Yeah. So they still have a little ways to go. They got they're about halfway there. Yeah, they've all they're also in the
2: AFC title game every season. I mean, listen, I don't know how you could say no. Because to Danny's point earlier, Mahomes and the Chiefs have surpassed the Patriots in the first seven years. So I ain't saying no to that. Like, Mahomes right now is on pace to to do laps around Brady and be the greatest of all time. And the Chiefs could easily be the greatest dynasty of all time in all of sports.
1: Mm. So I think they are going to end up being exactly that. I'm not going to bet against Mahomes. Yeah, we've got uh, Mahomes at 28 years old. Come on, gets uh, you know you would can think play another
2: tw- twenty years. <laughs> you would,
1: well, I would think he's got at least another eight good years left in him. And I say eight, like at least conservatively, years. yeah, absolutely. I mean, he could like, might be able to keep going nine, ten, eleven. He could. But win. I think he's got eight really strong seasons left.
2: That's fair. And then he could be, you know, forty and have a good defense and win another one, right? I mean, this dude. This dude right now
1: is already the, arguably the GOAT, as well as Andy Reid. Yeah, guys, if you give Mahomes the ball first in overtime, he has the first chance to get the ball twice and the first shot a true sudden death. I wouldn't want to give Mahomes two chances to beat me. What? He's saying, basically, if you if you defer and give the Chiefs the ball, now you're in a position where you've got to stop Mahomes not once but twice. Why do you think that? Because
4: once, Birdie, once Purdy scores and the 49ers tie it up, the game goes on. You still have to find a way to what do you
2: figure
1: mean, out tie the it up? How do we know well, what's if you're assuming? Happen? If you're assuming, what are we assuming there? If you're assuming that you know Mahomes is going to go down and score, okay. So he goes down and score. and you're the Niners, and now you answer and you score. Mm-hmm. Now Mahomes is coming back out. And you've got to stop him twice. Absolutely. In the other scenario, you do your job. You. St- only need to stop him once and even if you don't stop him doesn't matter you get the ball back the problem was you didn't do good enough of a job doesn't matter we're overthinking this
2: cole that is a huge overthought my man because this is how you look at it you want to know what you have to do if you decide to take the ball first you don't know what you have to do the 49ers on that fourth and four if they had the ball second there they're going for the touchdown Instead of kicking the field goal. So regardless, they all interesting points, and I love the conversation, but you have to know what you're doing. That's the strategic advantage of the Ferry.
1: Here's an interesting text. Kansas City doesn't have multiple cheating scandals like the Patriots do. <laughs> Fair? I mean, that lingers over the Patriots a little bit, don't you think? Ah. I'm not for me. I don't. Uh. It's just like part of the
2: story, but... Definitely gives Kansas City the edge, they end up being tied.
1: Wrong. San Francisco can go for two.
2: What's wrong? What's
1: wrong? I don't know what he's referencing. Me either. And even though San Francisco can go for two, that's a real gutsy. yeah, they can go for it. so if you're saying I, mean, I don't hate it. Okay, point. I see what he's saying. I guess. I think he's it, basically goes, saying if yeah. Kansas City goes down and scores and San Francisco they don't have to give hmm? San Kansas City the ball, they can go for two. I can't imagine that happening. I mean, you can you could I, be um, – It's a Doug Peterson decision. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. you think San Francisco would go for two? I don't know.
2: I, I don't know, but I, all I'm saying is I wouldn't hate it. <laughs>
1: if, you, if you convert that, we look at that decision as the It's for us to sit at the gallery and say, I would go for two.
2: 100%. That's <laughs> why I
1: said I don't hate it. Yeah. I mean, it's easy for us. That's our job. But Oh, like, boy. That's crazy. All right, five from Danny Rye. Coming up next here on the Sports Pass Live. This hour the show brought to you by Broadleys Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning.
0: Call them 609-390-3907. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. All right,
1: 3.30 Sports Pass Live, 97.3 ESPN, the free mobile app. Mike and Ryan, our on-site producer, Danny Ryan, it's time for... Five from Danny Ryder brought to you today by the gallery. Bar book and games at Ocean Casino Resort. Go to the gallery, go to Ocean, go for the win. For more info, visit oceanac.com. Gambling problem, call one 8 100 Gambler, let's do. Today's five from Danny Rye.
4: All right. Well, with the NFL season officially over, the Kansas City Chiefs as your Super Bowl 58 champions, let's look at the sport that's in play right now. One of two of the four major, and that's the NBA. The Sixers signed veteran point guard Kyle Lowry to a 2.8 million dollar deal for the remainder of the season after his buyout with the Charlotte Hornets. So my question for both of you is, did this move do anything <coughs> Excuse me. Did this move do anything for you at all? And give Daryl Morey's overall deadline moves a grade, including this signing.
1: I wasn't all that moved by the Lowry signing. I got to say that. How can, how can you? Be? I mean, how can, people are acting like we just
2: got Wilton's prime. I mean, I'm I'm seeing Kyle Lowry highlights and uh, video
1: well, tribute me, videos. Let me ask you this question: No one wanted the dude. Do you have any different stance on it because Lowry played for Nurse and, like, he wanted to play here, he's from Philly, and, like, to end his career here playing for the coach that he feels most comfortable with, like, any – I mean, he wasn't – look, the guy shot 40% from three this year. I mean, you're getting kind of a tough-minded defensive guy who can – like, all right, I saw somebody tweet this out, and it kind of like, look, his volume of threes and his makes of threes is far better than Patrick Beverly's. Okay. I mean, that's not season. saying I didn't anything. That
2: that's anymore. not saying anything, though. What are we saying? Well, well i saying, saying if you're looking an upgrade, for an upgrade. upgrade. Yeah, over, yeah, over But the, we, we become obsessed with the three-point percentage and the three-point shooting. It's like, listen, Denver was not a three-point shooting team last year. And the team that we had before all these moves went healthy was good enough. Well, here's the thing. Like, you don't have to just bomb threes. And just because one guy shoots two more threes than another guy doesn't mean you upgraded your
1: roster. Here's the thing. Without Joel Embiid, they obviously were not good enough offensively as built. Like, they were having of course. major problems. So now you add Buddy Heald, Kyle Lowry. Uh-huh. Is there enough? And I'm not saying there. I'm just saying, like, I'm trying to talk myself through this. Is yeah. there enough offense there on Knights? that that can keep you afloat until Embiid comes back. Because Patrick Beverly and Marcus Morris weren't get, weren't were not enough. getting it done. They were not good enough offensively. I agree. So you were not going to stay afloat right. as constructed. So did they just say, look, we've got to stay afloat and hope to get Joel back. And then if we get Joel back, we've got Lowry and Healed And like I tweeted this out, Maxie and Heald are interesting. Paxi and Lowry yes. are interesting. They're not interesting at all without Joel Embiid. So, I mean. <laughs> there you go, right? Like, what are we talking about? But you don't have. Listen, if you don't
2: have Joel Embiid, you're not winning a title, part one. 000%. And part two, if Embiid gets back and the chemistry ain't there and it's not as good as what, what we saw prior, it doesn't matter if they stay afloat or don't stay afloat right now. That's my whole point.
1: Well, but did they owe it to the roster and the team to take a chance that Embiid's going to come back and that they that the group clicks and then they find Embiid? You know, they get Embiid and get him back.
2: You're asking a lot. You're I assuming know. a lot. I Not know.
1: you, but I know. But my point is, you were seeing where this was going without Heel and Lowry. It was going to get bad. They couldn't score.
4: Yeah, I but mean, Jeans were right. saying,
1: Maxie, you ain't beat us. And you got nobody else that
4: can help you. Uh huh. Yeah, we'll throw three guys at you, figure it out. Pass it to Paul Reed or Mo
2: Bamba. But right? I don't like, I don't care about staying afloat right now without Embiid. I care about well, that's with the Embiid. Idea, though. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. But if I you're think, not if you're not good with Embiid, no, I get if it, it doesn't work with Embiid, I don't care about And it's going to be
4: tough to try and implement these guys to get their chemistry up and together. It's going to be just, impossible. You know, when Embiid comes back, but at the same time, I agree with Mike here. I think Mori looked at it and said, all right, we've got about a 10-game yeah. cushion on 500. If we don't get something to improve this team, we could fall even out of the play-in picture oh, that, if it gets bad enough. I agree
2: with that. That's
4: so, 100% what happened. This kind of sends a message to me a little bit that they're... I, Probably expecting Joel
1: Embiid to come back when I they are expecting him not to. I also think you had to give Maxi some help. You don't want him to lose confidence that right. I'm not good enough and teams are just taking me out. Like these teams were just saying, you're not beating us. And those two games, the last couple of nights were very frustrating to watch for him. Oh, it was big time. And he's, listen, he's still dealing with an injury too. Right,
2: so like those struggles we saw a week or two ago, he's dealing with an ankle injury, a sprained ankle that was like fifty percent. Tobias was out. Like there were factors. Oh, listen, Zoom still being out. Like they. Now all I know is we've seen roster turnover every six months. Yeah, I for agree. the
1: past six years. I agree. So do you, is that and a recipe I, for success? The answer is hell no. It's no, not. and I sat here the last time we were at Ocean and said. I don't want to hear Buddy Heald's name ever again connected to the Sixers. Oh my God. His name has been connected to the Sixers, like three, four trade deadlines
4: in a row, and they finally got him. Even he said it. that. He goes, I asked my agent if this was legit because I've heard it about three or four times before. Yeah, every And she year. goes, it's about 75% done. So, That's crazy. Uh, I like the
1: moves, but real quick, your overall grade on the deadline I, moves. I would say anything without Joel Embiid is an incomplete because I don't know what they mean or what they what they are. Like, you put Joel Embiid with with, with Buddy Heald and Maxie... Like, what's their starting lineup look like? Is Maxi and Heald in the back order? Still Melton when he's held? Kevin he uh, Melton still hurt.
4: They're missing yeah. so many players: Covington, Batum, obviously Embiid, Melton. Like it's, and now Tobias has been in and out of the lineup. He's questionable again tonight. Yeah. So I, I don't know. If I had to just bare bones look at this on paper from what he did, not even considering Joel Embiid, I'd give it about a B minus. I think they got
1: the better players. Heald but, is expiring. Yeah, they didn't mess up any. Like cap situations, they sent expirings out and got expirings
4: back. Yes, it'll be Embiid, Maxi, and possibly Paul Reed on the cap this offseason. It's
1: one of those things. I think they got the best player of all the guys that got switched. Heel's the best player here, but yeah. ink doesn't do it anymore. I give it. A, I give it a C minus.
2: I'm not. He made moves to make moves, knee jerk reaction moves because he needs to stay afloat. Maybe that's the right move. Maybe it's not. I. I don't love it. Yeah. I think he just looked to get
4: a little bit more improved offensively, obviously from beyond the arc with that Lowry signing, it's evident. But we'll see how it pans out if Embiid comes back. All right, number two, Ian Rappaport of NFL Network reported yesterday afternoon that the Eagles have granted star-edge rusher Hassan Reddick permission to seek a trade as he enters the final year of his contract. My question for you guys is, do you think this news is more Howie calling Reddick's bluff, saying, hey, the money you're asking for, I'd love to see you get it from another team, or do you think Reddick will be with a new team by the time training camp rolls around that maybe
1: thinks he deserves that money? I think Howie understands two things. One, he's got an aging pass rusher whose production went down. He got the best season out of him that he's ever going to get at an under-market value, mm-hmm. and he's saying, "If I can get something in return to clear some cap space, I have to at least listen." So if you can find something, yeah. I'll listen. I'm not trying to move you, but I'd be dumb not to say I got a guy going to be 30 years old who wants an extension. I don't want to sign that extension. Why does Why does Reddick want out? He believes well,
2: he's, he's underpaid. He yeah, believed he's he should not, have been paid at the beginning of this past season. Yeah, uh-huh. He I, wanted I, the contract last year. Right, but he's still under contract. So, like, I, I listen, I interpreted initially as he's not happy here and he didn't like how this whole thing went down this past season, of course, both individually and from a team standpoint. So, for me, I don't like it. I mean, I think this guy, I know this guy is a valuable part of this defense. We talked about him a lot over the past year. So, I don't think it's a good sign. Coincidentally, too,
4: he dropped off at the end of the year. Oh, yeah. When they started putting him into coverage about seven or eight times a game, like that obviously hasn't it played a big factor in his drop off and his lack of production, especially towards the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, I think Howie might be calling his bluff a little bit. I'm going to go with a hot take here. I think that, you know, like you said, he's an aging pass rusher or linebacker. Who knows how the team wants to use him anymore? Hopefully never in coverage again. But hey, if you can get 20 plus million dollars, maybe even more from a different team, by all means, we'll get some value for you and ship you over there so they can sign you that extension. But if I had to make a prediction, I'd say he's on the Eagles come training camp. I don't think he's going to get the value he,
1: he might want. Yeah, it's a tough spot because if he doesn't want to be here, do we want him in training camp? I don't camp? think it said he doesn't want to be here. Right. I think he wants to be paid.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And I don't think the Eagles are going to pay him. And probably used Right.
2: That's the other thing. And it's like all of a sudden now because he asked for a trade. He's an aging guy. Production's gone <laughs> down. Bro, we've all been obsessed with this guy <laughs> since he's arrived. And now all of a sudden, all over Twitter and social media. Ah, screw him. He actually yeah, yeah. sucks if you're really it. a It's Philly like,
1: sports dude, man. what are we talking about? Well
2: we're losing talent left and right. This well, ain't
1: good. To be fair, we thought James Bradbury was that guy. Why would we get rid of him? Second team all pro. Guess what? He got old. He got old sure. overnight. The Eagles, are, for years, made the tough decision to get rid of guys. And guess what? It was generally the right decision. Yes. I don't think it's outlandish to say, we got the best Hassan Redick years we're going to get. Mm-hmm. And I- to give him another contract, you're going into a situation where you've now James Bradburied him. Where you're saying... You were a second-team All-Pro James, the here's a three-year deal. And now the first year of that three-year deal, you're saying, oh, crap, he just ran out of gas. And I think yeah. Reddick, from the year before, had 16 sacks, and then he had a couple more in the playoffs. I think he ended up with 19. Last year, I know he had the thumb problem, but he certainly slowed down as the year went on. He's not great against the run. And is he going to lose a step? You if brought up. You sign them yeah. to a three year extension and say, we're going to pay you because of the year you had when, when, when we went to the Super Bowl. That's a mistake to me.
2: You brought up Bradbury. I'll just, I'll bring up another name,
1: TJ Edwards. Don't pay him, don't pay him, don't pay him. And we talked about that name a lot as you should have paid him. Different situation, though. Mm-hmm. TJ Edwards, and I agree with this TJ Edwards was not asking for, you know, this like to be paid among the top edge rushers in hear football. You. Yeah, you're talking about a guy who was probably going to be getting like six million a year. That's yeah. an affordable contract. Also,
4: going into his age 27 season, not 31 or 32, so mm-hmm. he's got some years left before he starts to
1: hit that prime. That's true, and he's already producing. I so. look. I loved when they signed Reddick. I think they got Reddick had his best season. The people who were, who were the the way Gannon used Reddick, yeah, was the best season he's ever had. Yeah. So Fangio would probably use Reddick similarly that Gannon did. They run the same defense. So I don't know if, though, Vic Fangio is saying to Howie, if he wants to be traded, I'm not using him. Like, I don't really have a uh, a place
2: for him. Right, exactly.
1: Like, I don't know why that would be the case. If John Gannon got... 16 sacks out of the guy I would think that Vic Fangio would say I like what John did with them we run a similar defense I yeah. would use but my point is this I think Fangio noticed dude he's kind of a one-trick edge rusher he rushes from the left side he's got one good move if he doesn't have the speed yeah he's not great against the run and by the way Josh Sweat also took a step back last year too you also have to think and his country they're both on the last year of their deals Eagles had a lot of leads the year that
2: he put up all those numbers. So like, as a pass rusher, you know the other team's passing. You have leads in the second half of all these games, right? So like, from that standpoint, I understand the production.
1: That's it's all. definitely those seems and we're going to talk to Mosher for Football at Four coming up. I mean, it definitely feels like, like this is the first seesaw move of who are we? Are we yeah. going to try to take another swing with guys that we thought could have had better years, or are we going to say, nope, this is the first step of our core guys slowing down and we need to get ahead of it you know and yeah. switch like when they got rid of Hugh Douglas we're like wait what are you doing like you and then Hugh went to Jacksonville and was not the same player right when they got rid of Jeremiah Trotter people were pissed and he went to Washington not he was not player. the same player no. they did that the only guy they got rid of that could still play was Dawkins he was the, yeah. and he's a hall of famer hall of famer fan favorite of all
4: time so one thing i know for certain if they do trade reddick Nolan Smith Jr. better be ready, man. He better be in tip-top shape. He better be looking fast off that edge because if not, it's going to be a long year for Josh Schweck getting double teamed. All right, number three, Dave Dombrowski and the Phils made a move yesterday signing former Tigers starting pitcher Spencer Turnbull to a major league deal worth $2 million along with another $2 million possible in performance incentives. After this signing, do you think the Phillies are officially done addressing their rotation, or do you think they could still sneak into
1: the sweepstakes for a guy like Jordan Montgomery, maybe Blake Snell on the higher end? Well, I would imagine that Spencer Turnbull hopefully is not in their like big picture plans here. Sixth rotation guy. He is the guy that if you have two to three injuries that you have to like you can go. He's your four A. I know he pitched in Detroit. He was like three and seventeen a couple of years ago. Uh, Dombrowski knew him there. (laughs) Uh, I got to hope that they don't have him in the picture unless break glass in case of emergency. So quick note, he's out of minor league options against his will,
4: essentially. He's got to agree to go down to the minors if you want to send him down there. It's still possible he could be sent down, but he has to approve it. So if you wanted to not keep him on the 26, I mean, you could hypothetically do it but i doubt he's trying to go to the miners. i mean he's trying to revive his career at this point
1: i think it's a you know obviously a low risk high reward i don't know where in. he's got a spot in this rotation though long reliever Bra- maybe breaking camp you would think they have their five you've yeah. got nola wheeler sanchez suarez and walker those five guys there so he's not beating out any of those guys so okay maybe he's a long man well, he's a guy that if you he's end up michael using-
2: yeah, if you end up losing a couple starters
1: and you yeah for a month or two, you, you have a guy. He's Michael That's Lorenzen. It. Like right. Basically, what Lorenzen became like after he got traded, where Lorenzen jumped into the rotation right off the bat, but then once the playoffs got here, he was kind of just like a, a whatever, a swing man, a relief man. Uh-huh. Um, I, I can't imagine that if they felt the price was right. Now, here's the thing. If they felt the price is right for Montgomery and or, or they wouldn't sign both of them, or Blake Snell, which of the guys would be replaced in the rotation? Suarez, Walker, or Sanchez? Well, Sanchez. Yeah, probably Sanchez because they
4: would—they're both lefties. So you'd have to swap one out for another lefty that you think you're getting an upgrade at.
2: Has
1: to be Sanchez. And
4: also, Walker—you're tied to all this money. So I can't imagine right. unless they find a suitor, which they won't,
1: give an the argument boot. that well, obviously they told you last year they thought Sanchez was better than Walker. He started the game. It's in, just, in the just a playoff. matter
4: of do you want to put three lefties in that rotation?
1: Well, I mean. You go with the better guy. Here's the thing. They went with Sanchez over Walker when they had the opportunity. And, of course, Walker was not happy about it. Now, Dave Dombrowski has since said, like, yeah, we've talked to him. He's competitive. He wanted to pitch. We're all on the same page. He's going to be a part of the rotation. That's why I think it's weird. You know, they like Sanchez, but Sanchez at least has some bullpen experience. So I think – he probably would be the guy that would go to the bullpen, but that's why, like, I don't really think, like, to me, going out and getting, like, Bellinger was probably the more of of the necessity. Yeah, I mean, to your point
4: as well, before we move on, even if a guy goes down in the rotation, it's not a guarantee that Turnbull is going to be healthy. He's only pitched above 11 games once in his career, and that came in 2019 with the Tigers, 4.61 ERA. His best ERA season came in which he pitched nine games in 2021 to the tune of a 2.88. So you know, low risk, high reward, depth guy at best. Uh, maybe you can get him to agree to go to the minors if you're running out on roster spots. But number four, let's switch over to the Eagles and some uh words exchanged by Eagles defensive tackle Fletcher Cox. He quickly ran to Instagram last night after the 49ers Super Bowl loss to share some choice words with Debo Samuel of the 49ers. Samuel's comments all season long were evident about James Bradbury and the Eagles and that they're frauds. So my question for you guys is, I'm obviously not going to say what Fletcher Cox said, but did you love or hate what he said on his Instagram story last night? And do you think the comments were warranted? Definitely warrants it. Screw the Niners,
2: right? I mean, it's like, I love it. I don't hate it. Um, San Francisco's the Philly, the Eagles' rival, and Cox was poking fun at him, so I think it's all good. I, I don't
1: I certainly don't hate it. Um, I, I think it's really, it's just him having fun and saying, ha-ha, you lose. Yeah, he, he put a bunch of clowns up and says, keep the Eagles out your mouth, Bo. But okay. then he had a bunch of laughing emojis. Right. So are they boys? Yeah. Well, he also
4: had a little abbreviation <laughs> that, uh, People can figure out on the, by themselves
1: at home, but the abbreviation was yeah. E-A-D. Yeah, he and said, I still yeah. got some you ain't got. Y'all, I've been holding this one in, son E-A-D. Yeah. <laughs> he just sunned him. Yeah. Well, that's what he said. Son Whew. Debo. Maybe son. he don't like Debo. How was it meeting Fletcher, by the way? Was that your first time meeting him? Uh, like in that setting, yeah. Okay. He was How a, was he? was cool very dude? nice guy. Uh, it was pretty quick. You know, these things are... Hit or miss. Like, there's Fletcher. He's so my guy Q that does the night show on ESPN radio, uh, game night, his radio setup was right next to ours, and I know Q very well. So he said to me, hey, Fletcher Cox is coming over. I'll try to help you get him. And I said, oh, that would be awesome. So he pointed out his, like, handler girl. He said, you know, she's right here. So he walked me over to her. He said, hey, this is Mike Gill. They're the Eagles affiliate in Atlantic City. And she's kind of giving me that look like we have no time, we have no time. I said, listen. I know you want to give me seven to nine minutes, but I'll take five.
7: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, <laughs> right. And she's looked at whatever me like, you can get. How about three? <laughs> and you know, finally, she was like loosened up a little bit, and she's like, "Look, if it wasn't like the Philly area, we we wouldn't do." It. And then he sat down, and then she was like, "You know what? It was great. You know, yeah. Like they like, but it's hard sometimes. Like they're on these schedules, man. Yeah,
2: and like 8, we
1: had thousand stations there. Like, well, we had Devonta Smith and Jordan Davis lined up." we were talking to him talking to him talking to him they were with bounty but they were like say we're at the gallery here in atlantic city and then upstairs is the balcony bar the bounty set was like an upstairs thing over top of yeah. like overlooking they said look if you can get up here you could sit down with them for 5 minutes to talk to them mm-hmm. well i was like well how are we going to get our equipment the yeah. recording equipment upstairs to do this right Well, the station next to us, a couple guys that I know that do radio in Albany, they had this, like, it was like a receiver that you plug into your phone and then two magnetic microphones. Yeah. So I was like, I got it. Like, like, let's go. Well, in the time that it took us to find the microphones and get this all set up and blah, blah, blah. And they left. They were like, (laughs) yeah, they're not doing it anymore. We're like, ugh. Yeah, it's crazy. But it is a it's a free for all, man. Trying to just get it all done.
4: I personally liked his comments to Debo Samuel. I thought it was awesome, but uh, I thought Debo was going to be a little bit more butthurt. I haven't heard from him since Fletcher Cox's comment. Thought he would have taken to Instagram or Twitter or something and you know clapped back. But let's end with my fifth and final question. It's a fun one, completely hypothetical, in honor of Super Bowl Fifty Eight and the NFL season coming and going. All buys aside, in your opinion, ugh, in your opinion. Do the 49ers win that game last night with Jalen Hurts at quarterback instead of Brock Purdy?
1: I mean, the Jalen Hurts that we saw in that game last year. Yeah,
2: you know, which one are, Which
1: one are we getting? Um, I would say no either way. I, you're,
4: Let, let's make it fun and say you get twenty twenty three Jalen Hurts in that game last night. Did, yeah.
1: If you get the Jalen Hurts from last year. No, I'm talking oh, this, this one? season.
4: Yes. No.
1: Probably not. No, no. I don't like. I have no problem saying that I had thought Brock Purdy played as good, if not better, than Hertz did all season.
2: No one touches Mahomes, man. You can't in these situations on the biggest stage.
1: I, I, I'm not betting against them. I don't care who it is. Well, I mean, like they have, and look, this is not a overly talented offensive team. The Chiefs, they
2: stink. <laughs> who do they have? They have Travis Kelsey. No disrespect to South Jersey's Pacheco. So here it is.
1: Look at this. This is the final play. He snaps the ball at 6-5. So they're saying if he wouldn't have got in there, yeah. that the game would have gone to another overtime. Yep. Yeah, like if he got t- tackled, now they did have a
2: timeout left there. They had a timeout, yeah. and I don't know. All, everything else went into, like, that was the last three seconds of the game. Yeah. It and felt I'm like it as we were watching it. Definitely felt like
4: it. By the way, Andy Reid did say the extra officials, remember when they were getting chippy and the extra officials came on to break stuff up? They were in charge of giving extra education on the new overtime rules to both teams. So how the
1: 49ers didn't know, I mean, it just seems unbelievable at this point. 609 4030973 Hit us up on the text board. Five from Danny Rye. By the way, a texture wants to know if Danny Rye showed up with his Flyers hat on. They've won three in a row. No, Danny Rye showed up with a fresh cut. Yeah. I'm not Why wearing no a hat, hat for the first time in weeks no. here at the Ocean Gallery it's Bar. First Book time I've seen Danny with
2: no hat. Last week comments got to him.
0: 97-3 <laughs> ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Just hungry to bring back another Lombardi to Philly. uh, The fans deserve it. Our team deserves it. Uh, Culture begs for it. Now live from inside the Matt Kia studios, this is Football at Four.
1: Football at Four, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. It brought to you by Bet365, whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. Mike and Ryan, we're live at the gallery, bar Book in games. Jeff Mosher from the Inside the Birds podcast is uh, today's football at Ford. And you just heard what Jeffrey Lorty in that intro there, what he says. Our culture begs for it. The Lombardi. Well, mm-hmm. the Lombardi was handed out last night and the Eagles were not there. Are they closer or further to a Super Bowl than when they started the season this year? It all starts now, Jeff Mosher. And of course, as we know, there's always something happening with this team. So let's get your thoughts on this Hassan Reddick, which is going to be the first really big decision they're going to have to make this offseason. Kind of read the tea leaves on how this thing could go.
5: Hey, it's Mike and Ryan, what's going on? Uh, happy post Super Bowl day to both of you. And um, I'm glad that we can start off talking about. Also on Reddit because I feel like it's an easier answer than uh, the overtime rules for the Super Bowl <laughs> after <that> last night. <laughs> um, so here's the thing and Adam Kaplan um, reported on the podcast this morning. He actually talked about it about a week and a half ago with our Patreon members when he came back from the Senior Bowl. When we were out there. We talked to a lot of different people and he came back and we you know, shared some notes and he, he said he, to me and then to our Patreon members in the, in the live stream which is why it helps to be on our Patreon channel. Um, that he was getting a sense that things could come to a head with Hassan Reddick and the organization sooner than later, um, and no surprise that it comes out a few hours before kickoff because that's how it works in the NFL. Um, but yeah, I mean, like we we we've known since last training camp that Hassan Redick wanted a new contract, so in that part of it is not a surprise. He goes into year three of a three-year deal. I think that. Um, You know, because he's an in house guy under contract, they can talk contract anytime. They don't have to wait for the new league year. So it wouldn't surprise me if conversations started happening, oh, say, like five hours after the U.S. lost to the the Buccaneers in the playoffs. I'm sure Hassan's people were calling Howie the next day saying, all right, let's talk. What are we going to do? And, you know, Howie's got a lot of decisions to make. And he's got a lot of aging guys on defense, Hassan Reddick being one of them. But Hassan Reddick was still a productive player, the market has changed a lot since his first, since his contract he signed with the Eagles, which was sort of below market for him to begin with. but He was kind of considered that player who had been on two different teams, was used differently, not exactly sure where his permanent home is, but he's had two very good years. I would challenge the notion that this past year wasn't as good as the year before. Yes, he had five fewer sacks, but he had just as many quarterback hits and done more tackles for a loss. So if you're just judging somebody on sacks, you say, he declined, but if you if you judge it on the bigger picture, I don't think he he, he looked to me like somebody who lost the step. You know, uh, we said that about Zal Smith, and I think Hassan Reddick was just more of a victim of a defense that had no identity and two play callers and didn't know what to do with the personnel. I think he's still a good player, um, but obviously there's going to be I don't want to say a difference of opinion of his value, but you saw the Eagles do this with Darius Slay last year. They're basically going to say, all right. But we know you deserve more money. We also know we have you under contract for another year. So you don't exactly have a whole lot of leverage and you're 30, you're going to be 30 in September. Why don't you go out there and see if there's a team that's willing to pay you what you want? And on top of that, if they are, then what are they going to give us to trade for you? Which is why a lot of these situations don't work out where the player gets traded, then there's a draft pick in return and kumbaya, everybody gets what they want. That usually doesn't happen that way. What often happens uh, is that you either try to meet in between, or you do something for one year where you add some incentives uh, to try to make the player a little happier. So then he reports to training camp, he doesn't. You don't want. I don't think the Eagles want. I don't think Hassan Reddick wants a repeat of the Chris Jones situation where Chris Jones lost money. I mean, he held out all camp. He didn't get any trade. Um, if there was a team willing to trade for him, the Chiefs weren't willing to pull the trigger. And then with the incentives that he got added to his deal, it wound up being not as much as I think uh, the, the fines were going to be. So I don't think Hassan Reddick wants to walk that path either. we got a lot of time between now and the early year for this thing to get worked out. How much, you
1: know, he's going to be 30 years old when the season, you know, uh, gets underway, sometime in like mid-September. So the fact that the team is kind of in flux right now, they have been burned by 30-year-old, you know, when, when Andy was here, if you were 30, you were done, um, how, like, is the timing of where he is and what he might be asking for, like, and then James Bradbury, I mean, he was a second-team All-Pro, he gets a three-year deal, and now that deal looks terrible, it, 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 like, how much does that all come into play here for Reddick saying, like, I too want a new deal, but you're asking at a time where you might be getting paid for what you did as opposed to
5: what you might do. Yeah, I mean, everything comes into play. That's part of the the aging. That's part of what what did the tape show when Vic Fangio watches it? Does it show a player who had a five sacks fewer because he's less explosive, or does it show a player who is dropping into coverage at times, getting double teamed because the guy across from him? Can now be single blocked. I mean, there's a whole lot of factors in that. And then add on top of that, they used a first-round pick last year on a player of similar traits and um, body makeup and plays the same position. Are they ready to go ahead with Nolan Smith uh, by year two? Probably not, but maybe by year three, right? So how long of a deal do you want to give us on Reddit, knowing that Nolan Smith may – this is on May – be ready to assume more of a responsibility in that in that role. I mean, I think they would have liked to see more out of Nolan Smith as a rookie, but he needs to get bigger, he needs to get stronger, and and we'll see what happens from year one to year two with him. And then, uh, like the rest of the defense, right? I mean, you've got two corners who are over thirty, you've got a safety, and Kevin Byard is over thirty. You have an aging, yeah, Fletcher Cox. We'll see what happens with him. Brandon Graham, we know, is over thirty. So at some point, they look at the defense and say, we need to get younger. But at the same time, I think you guys would both agree, while they need to get younger, we don't want to get rid of a productive player like Hassan Redick and try to compete for a Super Bowl next year when you don't have Hassan Reddick to fill that role.
1: Um, if I were to ask you this question about Vic Fangio, if Vic Fangio, forget what if he thought Redick, you know, had more left of the tank, is... Is Hassan Reddick the type of player that Vic Fangio needs or wants to build his defense around?
5: I think it remains to be seen. I don't think that any one player for Vic Fangio is going to be a player you build around. I think the question is, does Hassan Reddick fit into what Vic Fangio wants to do? Well, uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't call Hassan Reddick Khalil Mack um, because they're, I think Khalil is a little bit more well-rounded. Uh, I wouldn't call him... Alden Smith either from the 49ers days, but it's the hell is a fast rusher. I know that. Um, and I thought in Miami last year you saw some guys who rushed around the edges, whether it was Van Ginkle, Bradley Shaw before he got hurt, who, who may be, you know, similar in, in how they attack a quarterback and speed moves. Um, so I, I I look Huston has been really good. I don't I don't think a defensive coordinator who's gonna look at the Eagles defense now is gonna say, Yeah, we're better off without him or I can't I can't scheme a defense with that guy in. It would be different. Let me say, but not the style of defense Vic Fangio runs. If you're running a pure four-three, if you're Jim Schwartz and you need hand in the dirt defensive end to play the wide nine, yeah, you might look at Hassan Redick and say, I love the guy, but he just doesn't do what I need. But Hassan, but I'm sorry, Vic Fangio's defense has always had that five-man front, that outside linebacker who really walks up on the line of scrimmage. In a stand up uh, situation and, and rushes the passer, at least recently. And so I have no doubt that he can fit in a Fangio scheme. Yeah,
1: I, I guess, you know, because two years ago, John Gannon, who a lot of people say, oh, he runs the Fangio scheme, you know, Reddick had a career year. Um, so you're wondering, okay, does Vic Fangio see that and say, this guy is someone that I can really utilize to get more out of than maybe the Eagles were able to get out of him? this year, and I don't know if you you said, like, you don't seem to think he took a step back, but I'm just saying, fit-wise, does you see what he did for Gannon and say, yep, I, like, you know, in other words, if he's asking, if Howie's saying to him, hey, Hassan wants to be traded, is he a guy that's, like, essential for us to kind of try to work something out with here, or is that not really a position that you're valuing all that much? Well, huh.
5: I mean, I think, let's look at it from a common sense standpoint. You're Rick Fangio, Howie comes up to you and says, hey, you know, Redick, we don't really want to pay him, we might be able to get some trade value for him um, unless you really want to use him. Let's see. Here's here's your life. Here's your scheme without Hassan Reddit. You got Josh Sweat who struggled mightily uh, over the second half last year. You got Nolan Smith, who's a first-round pick but didn't really play a whole lot. And then we bounced him back and forth between edge rusher and uh, off-ball linebacker. And then we got Brandon Graham, who's, uh, you know, 34 years old and, and really only can play situationally. And then um, – Patrick Johnson, who's been a special teams, like, what are we talking about here? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, the the, let's be fair here. The drop-off between Hassan Reddick and what the Eagles have after Hassan Reddick is pretty sizable at this point. This is not two years ago. So, I mean, listen. I think the conversation changes a little bit if Josh Sweat really didn't seem like he fell precipitously last year. I mean, if this guy Josh Sweat had finished, you know, 15, 16 sacks and look completely healthy and didn't have the leg drag thing going on that people have noticed on tape then then maybe the conversation's there. Alright, we well, we can sign a veteran for less money to, to play the outside and then really Nolan Smith to come along and but I, I do think right now when you look at last year's defense on Reddick there was a big gap between him and everybody else.
2: It just feels like Mosh that they're not looking to pay anyone right now, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Right? Like I look at recent history and I say, okay like, Fletcher Cox, they gave him a, a boatload of money. That was like, what? I mean, that's like eight, nine years ago at this point. Um, deservingly so. But my point is, it just seems like they're saying, no, no, no. We'll find someone cheap for a year. We'll borrow someone for a year. We'll find someone in the draft. And I get it. That's what makes Howie great at times. But at some point, you got to pay someone.
5: Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I mean, I guess you're looking at Javon Hargrave, who was certainly a productive and talented player, and they let him walk for a huge contract. But, I mean, they did bring back both of their corners, right, mm-hmm. on new deals that were more market deals for both of those corners. So they let the linebackers walk because that's what they do. They let the safety yeah. walk because that's what they do. Hassan Reddick is an edge rusher. This is a, a premium position in the Howie Roseman, Lexicon of, you know, position value. So I I don't think that they're going to take the same path. where I you know just discard him easily again I I sort of think that and we, you know we're very early in the process I, I have a hard time believing that they're going to get rid of him unless they get a really good offer um, right. from a team like a late first early second then you get then you really think about it right but a team that's going to take on Reddick is only is not going to want to give up that end pay the guy twenty-four to $26 million a year, and it almost never happens um, unless the guy's on a first, like, like two or three years in, like Montez Sweat, fourth year of his rookie deal, right? So it doesn't really happen a whole lot with 30 year olds So I, I just don't think, I, I think at the end of the day, there's going to have to be some kind of meeting in the middle here between Redick and the Eagles, and it may just be for one year you bump him up based on incentives and things like that. Um, but we'll see. What what's the plan? Like,
2: what do you think the plan is here to get this defense where where it needs to be? And you know, you can factor in Hassan Reddick returning or possibly not returning. Uh, you know, however you want to look at it. But I think either way, I'm curious to put it nicely what the plan is to improve this roster, particularly on
5: defense. Hold on, let me let me, let me do this context call. I'll get Howie in on line four here, and um, <laughs> we'll talk about the plan. No. Uh, I, I believe my sense, just digging into the situation, guys, is that the plan is to be aggressive. So I think, Ryan, what you said about, you know, how he not wanting to pay certainty, I, I don't know. I don't believe that to be true. I think he knows that this – obviously they made all these moves with the coordinators and forcing things, forcing action, because they believe they can still win. They should still win. Their window is open to win the Super Bowl, but they, they know – that they can't do it with a crap defense, okay? So are he going to be aggressive? And usually when he makes mistakes like he did the year, this past season, then he's quick to try to correct them. So I would be very surprised if he was not aggressive in remaking this defense.
1: Right, I had that same feeling, too, especially when they signed Fangio. It's like, hey, that, to me, the sign is you're, you're bringing in a veteran guy, and, you know, you don't bring him in here and say, hey, we're bringing you in here, but we're not going to give you anything to work with. I'm so, just
2: curious, like, who is realistically out there, and,
1: you know, what, what well, does that you, aggressiveness look like? If you I don't... watched uh, Kansas City last night, and, and like what Snead was doing, he's available. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they're obviously they need a young corner. They need to get younger at spots. And that's why, most I think they're in a weird spot here because – I certainly can understand and justify if you're Howie saying, look, we got real old real fast. Do I want to invest in a guy and then have him get old on me real fast at, at that position? That's why I f- – do you feel that this is an easy decision or do you think this is going to be very intriguing and can it kind of set up the offseason here?
5: Well, I think what I think makes it somewhat easy for the Eagles um and I, I said this in the podcast today. It's true. It's true. Hassan Reddick doesn't have a whole of leverage. What, what, what is his recourse if he's not happy with his contract? Even if he finds somebody that's willing to pay him more money, if the Eagles don't like the deal, they're not going to do it. What's Hassan Reddick going to do? Hold out? Is he going to pull a Chris Jones? Because that didn't work. That, that didn't work for Chris Jones. Like he, what are you going to, just not show up until the first week of, uh, of September? And you get no training camp, you get no OTA, so, you know, what are you going to do? That? And that, that's really his only recourse is to not show up for training camp for OTAs. And I don't really think the way the Eagles practice, I don't really think they care if uh, if their best player on the defensive line doesn't show up for OTAs in practice. They know he'll be there September or whatever or in Brazil uh, when they open the season. And um, I would imagine they'd expect him to be a pretty good player next year. And, and Moshe, just
2: to, just to add, unless I missed something out there, I mean, th- th- this could mean nothing in the sense of maybe he's happy, maybe he does want to remain here, but maybe his agent and or, you know, himself, Hassan, that is, went to Howie and said, hey, you know, we just want to put some feelers out there. Is that cool? Like, you know, we're not trying to stir anything up. We're not trying to leave. We're not trying
1: to. I can't imagine, guys, though, that there's a scenario where Reddick doesn't want to. I mean, he's from here. He went to high school here. He played football at Temple. I mean, I think he wants to be here, but I think we all heard the murmurs that he thought, coming off of a 16-sack season that, he, that the Eagles got him an under market value, mm-hmm. and he wanted to see if he can cash in on that. It didn't work. I don't know that the timing's gr- – I guess my point is, guys, I don't think the timing's great for him right of now. Of course not. Scott, and,
5: not and, and, and to add to what I was saying, like, you, what are you going to hold? Up? Is, is he daring enough to, pull, like, pull a on Bell at – 30 and just completely miss an entire season at a protest and then expect that the following that year he's going to sign a huge deal. <laughs> like, it's it's just not going to happen. I, I mean, maybe it will because there's always, like, the Jets were, you know, do it. but he is uh, playing a premier position. But I, that's a risk that I wouldn't be willing to take it. if I were him. I'm not his business, man. But, I mean, I, I'm, I don't think that that makes a whole lot of sense.
1: All right, Jeff Mosher, uh, Football at 4 there's the stuff on Reddit, you can listen to the Inside the Birds podcast to get a little bit more on that, but uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask about the Chiefs place now in NFL lore history, two in a row uh, obviously the way that game went last night, the overtime situation, a slow start it went from a boring game to an epic ending, what do you make of Super Bowl 58 as it closes out the 2023 season? Yeah,
5: I mean I feel like it's It's a great story more than it was a great game. I don't think it was a very good game. Um, Great ending, but overall, not a great game. Um, I think that the story is that the Chiefs are just a special – this was the year, right? If you're the Ravens, if you're the Bills, like you're kicking yourself. This is the year that the Chiefs were good but not – Theoretically, not invincible. They turned out to win the Super Bowl anyway. But I mean, by week 12, there were some really legit questions as to whether the Chiefs were going to make the playoffs or not. They got hammered by, all, by the Las Vegas Raiders, who, who stunk. So this was the year to take them down. You know that they're going to retool this offseason. They're probably going to address their wide receiver spot. They're going to try to do other things. You know, offensive tackle. they got to get this is a great offensive tackle draft. They're probably going to get better. Um, so it makes me think that this team is going to be chasing that New England, uh, record there of, of, of evolving with the nine Super Bowls that they went to with Brady and six and three. I mean, that, I mean, look what they have accomplished just in Mahomes in six years. And if they, if nobody could beat them this year, what are you going to do as Mahomes and Reed continue to get older, better, wiser, stronger, and the roster continues to get better?
1: Uh, we we're watching something kind of cool happening right now, and that game last night adds to it with uh, the way it ends is uh, overtime, and then, of course, all the talk about the overtime rules. We saw it for the first time ever, and it ended the 2023 NFL season with the Chiefs, and now the offseason for everybody begins, and we'll be covering it here on Football at Four with the guys from Inside the Birds. All right, Jeff Mosher, looking forward to uh, free agency, what, a month from today, right?
5: month from today. Wait, I got I got to ask you guys something. Do you have do you have a second here? Yeah. All right. So overtime, cuz I'm still trying to wrap my brain around. Did you guys think that if the Chiefs still had the ball when the time hit zero zero zero, no. that the game was over or no. that they would just Okay, you didn't think you mean, it was no? over.
1: I didn't You didn't think it was over? You No, I we thought the just, no, no, no. I, I thought the Chiefs I was wondering what the heck they were doing because they you were going to run out of time. Right. That's what I thought.
5: So you, okay, so you thought they needed to score before the clock ends. Yes, yes, yes. I, at, fir- at first, I didn't. Then the way they played it, I thought they did. And then I now I wonder myself why even have the time the breaks. Why even have it if if it's, if you can still possess the ball in the second quarter, right? If that's still your first possession, then what's the point of even having a quarter break? Because it, it, if time's allowed to continue past zero zero zero. Well, is it just literally just to put the field in case you play like two or three and you want to hit the, the field side advantage for each, each team? Wait, what What do you. I, I'm sorry. What
2: are, He's what are you asking? Implying?
1: Why even have any
2: time? Why have like the college race? football? Yeah. Like college football over time?
5: Yeah, because yeah, it's still yeah. a sudden death format. Yeah. Well. After the first
2: possession. It is, but it isn't, because you a touchdown, it's not a sudden death format because you can score a touchdown first and the other team gets the ball. So
5: what is it? After, after the first possession, it right. becomes a sudden death format right, regardless right. of how much time is left. But I don't even understand. The only thing now that the break serves is to flip the other side of the field.
1: Yeah, it's,
2: it's that,
5: weird. That,
1: that's it. <laughs> Essentially, yes. The, the fact is they have the time but the time doesn't really represent anything.
2: Well, what is time, really, you know? (laughs)
1: That's the flat circle
2: I was (laughs) told. It's, I feel like the NFL, like, improved the rules, but once again, in NFL fashion, it's like, you still didn't get there, bud. Like, you still need to tweak it a little bit more. I guess uh, I'm sure the NFL
5: thinks do we because now everybody's talking about it
1: and that's true.
2: just
5: great
1: for us. Yeah, true. <laughs> all right,
2: Jeff
5: Mosher right, from guys, the I'm Inside the,
1: the Birds podcast. Uh, he'll be back later on in the week. Thanks, man. Yeah. Good stuff there. It's um,
2: he's right. Like we're all talking about it, so it's a win for the NFL. But it's a fair question, is it not? Do they need to tweak it again? The rules. Or was that? Perfect? I think
1: the rule worked out. I think the understanding of the rule because it was the first time that it happened yeah. was a little wonky. Yeah. Because as a fan watching it, now listen, maybe some fans out there studied a lot more up on it Doubt and it. knew the rule, but there are people that have been texting in all day. Like I was not aware that if the clock hit zero zero zero, I thought that meant they ran out of time. Me too. Yeah, me too. I thought like uh, Darn, this is it. Like you <laughs> get the you get the possession. But only in the amount of time that the quarter has. If you don't score within the amount of time, then your possession's over. Right, you lose. Good day, sir. You get nothing. <laughs> and you will like it. Alright, we got sound of the day. Sports Bass Live, 97.3, ESPN. Did you see, uh, by the way, um, you know, I'm going to, I've just booked my flight for Philly spring training. I'm locked in a, ph- I actually just booked my flight to London. You're just I'm going jet to see setter, the Mets in London, and I saw the story that the Eagles are playing in Brazil.
2: Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I they gotta... lose a home game though because of that.
1: That's all right. I don't go to home games anyway. Oh, I'll yeah. go to this game though. Not everything's about you, man. All right, <laughs> no. I'm talking about the birds. Would you go to Brazil? Would I? Yeah. Why Would, not? If you had the time,
2: and if I had the time, money, and resources, well, I heard sure. Like I don't want to go
1: to Brazil. <laughs> I'm like, dude. First why? thing, I, first thing on Friday night, whenever I saw that news, I texted my girl Instead and I said, Brazil. Yeah. I want to come back as Mike Gill. <laughs> the,
4: the people saying election. they don't want to go to Brazil is simply just the people knowing they can't afford it. And they're like, "Yeah, I didn't want to go to Brazil anyways." Yeah. Overrated.
1: They never left the Delaware Valley. Yeah. They can't be anywhere without a waddle. Oh, I would love to see. I think that to me, those are like events. Like I go to, I, I don't go to see a team win or lose. An, I go to an event. It's like ex- an event.
2: It's an experience. Yeah. It's
1: a life-changing experience. Well, so anyway, I booked my flight to go to Tampa for Clearwater for Philly spring training the other day, nice. and I just saw. They'll be serving this year at Philly spring training games, Manco and Manco Pizza. Did you see that? Power move. No, I didn't. Strong I, move. I know
2: they're in the, the bank they're now. They're in
1: Citizens Bank Park. Yeah. But now they're going to be not only at Philly's spring training games, but Clearwater Thresher games for the season. It's a, it's a genius move. You getting some when you go down for spring training? Of course I am. All right. gotcha. to. I'm going to hold you to it. I better get well, a picture. like, when we go to spring training games, they they serve D'Alessandro cheesesteaks. They fly the bread in from Philly. So you get the good Philly cheesesteaks during Philly spring training gear Then that line's always outrageous. But now, like the they had, lines. they had a pizza shop down there that was just okay. But now of to course. get like home pizza at the Philly, I'm very intrigued though to see what the bread turns out like. Like, the are they going to ship it down? Or are they going to that, right? right. that? I don't know. That uh, I don't know. All right, more. Coming up, sound of the day on the other side. Sports Bash Live 973
0: ESPN. We have the perfect sitting in traffic. You come with me. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 973 ESPN and the 973 ESPN Free Mobile App.
1: Alright, Sports Bash Live 973 ESPN, the Free Mobile App. We're live at the Gallery Bar Booking Games. Got cool in the gang coming to uh Ocean. Yeah, yeah. I think they're here uh they're here a lot. They Great always joke. crush it. Yeah. yeah. You ever see Cool in the Gang live? Uh, no, my buddy goes.
2: to You know, a know who bunch. Cool in the Gang is, Danny? Right?
1: You know the answer to that question. Uh, Come on, Cool in the Gang. Yes, I would. Cool in the Gang. Look it up. All right, give me a sec. Come on, man. Cool in the Bros. Uh, it's time for uh, Sound of the Day. Josh Hedding's our producer. He's cool back and in the, the guys? Studios.
3: Cool and the bros. <laughs> that, that got me, sorry.
1: Well, I already spelled it wrong. It's spelled with a K. Yeah.
3: Yes, oh, it's spelled geez. with a K. Yes. He went
1: C-O-O-L in the gang. K-E-W-L. Formed, formed in
4: 1964. How would I know Cool and the Gang? You know the Beatles? Yes, but I feel
1: like you they're the on Beach a different Boys? level than
4: Cool and the Gang. How Am dare you? There are
1: bands that are were... I wasn't born in 1964.
4: Well, I, you yes, weren't? clearly. <laughs> I'm just saying, like... From that time, I feel like unless they were just not the like top a, of the world at one point, they I were. Hear them. Are you not a Motown fan? No.
2: Okay. What do you guys think of the Danny would be kicked out of my household. <laughs> Usher.
3: Um, I thought he did a really good job at including multiple acts. He he did not make himself the biggest star yeah. of the show. He made himself the centerpiece of the show.
4: I think it picked up as soon as he brought Alicia Keys out. Like Then it kind of got interesting for me that final Oh, I think it didn't get interesting. It
3: got fire. Okay. It, 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 up. Yeah. it uh, heated up a little bit. I thought
4: bit. it was very stale before that, though. I, I'd mm. give it like a five and a half, five maybe. On wow. um, what type of scale? Out of ten. Okay. Were you are, not are an you not, usher fan? I was just going to ask that. Well, I couldn't hear him half the time either. It's like the audio people need to be fired for what they did to his mic, or maybe that was on purpose because he doesn't have it anymore. But I could barely hear him. <laughs> and, That's and Danny Ryan's Alicia next Keys job.
3: He's gonna he's gonna be the Super Bowl halftime oh, I'd, audio I'd engineer. I'd love to. I could That'd I could execute sick.
4: that to perfection. No, I have no clue. Um, no, I just think yeah, probably. I'll even go four and a half or five. Wow, four. It and went and half. to five after like Alicia Keys, Lil Jon, Ludacris all came out. I thought
1: well, I saw a lot of. Pos- I like everything saw a yeah. lot of positive I was like the biggest Usher fan I know nah, the either. girls in the building where we were they they were liking it let
4: mm-hmm. me ask you guys this did you think that will I am was Kanye when he first came out
2: at all like even I just not don't don't know who in your who will a I. lot of people did okay. online yeah so don't I know did. will I am to see him
4: <laughs> well neither especially with the mask on that's why I thought it was Kanye and he has also gained a little bit of weight since I last saw him in public but he was you know will I am is though right Mike yeah, I should okay. just
1: see him, gotcha, I don't gotcha. know him.
4: And then also, I think her name was Her. Her stage name was Her, but I thought that was Northwest for a hot second. Her, yes, daughter. it's Her. <laughs> um, and then also, I thought CeeLo Green. Who was the guy that looked like CeeLo Green on the stage?
2: Yeah, it's what my, couple, my friends were like, that's CeeLo Green. I was like, dude, no, it's not. Yeah, I, I, after <laughs> a second, I knew it wasn't, but at first glance, I thought it was. it was just a random hype man or something. I don't know.
3: I don't know who that was, honestly. That right. one I was stumped on as well.
4: I'll get on it. <laughs>
3: Well, guys, speaking of the Super Bowl for today's Sound of the Day, I wanted to start with the big question that was asked almost every person after the game last night. Dynasty? Travis Kelsey's answer when he was asked about the word dynasty being thrown around after the Chiefs won their third Super Bowl.
0: I don't care what people call us. I know I'm back-to-back, and I won three in whatever years. Y'all can call us a Dynasty. You can call us whatever you guys want. I know what we got is something more special than really what you see in the NFL It's because the guys in this locker room and the head coach.
1: I like that answer. Me too. He's the he's the man. He's the man. Come on. I mean, there are definitely, like, you in this era, to do what you're doing with all the salary cap situations and everything decision you have to make and losing guys that constantly – like,
2: be having Mahomes, having to pay Mahomes and still figuring it out. You lose Tyree
4: Kill and you follow it up with two straight championships.
2: Right. Like, everyone
4: was crucifying the GM for not re-signing the best wide receiver, arguably, in the NFL. You know what the team follows it up with? Yeah, back-to-back. No big deal.
2: Yeah, we don't need to catch catch balls that Mahomes throws. Yeah. It's no big
4: deal. <laughs> <laughs> what does that matter? The defense will just become one of the best in the league out of yeah, nowhere. They we'll change. No the
1: entire Like, we have the quarterback. We have the coach. We're going to change the complexity of this high-powered offense to – the quarterback will just find way. It's like when Andy had Donovan. It's just that Mahomes is way better than McNabb was. <laughs> yes. Way but better. Basically, back that time, the Eagles had this great defense, not as good as this defense probably, no. but then said to Donovan, just run around, make a couple plays, and the defense, like when I used to host shows with Darwin Walker, and he would say, Jim Johnson would tell us, 17 points. That's the number. Keep us at 17, and we'll win the game. Hmm. Like – because they would say to Donovan, run around, make, like, three plays. Yeah. And that should be enough for us to win. And that's basically what th- they're doing right now. And mean, but they get, lo- like, I know Pacheco did not have a standout game last night, but you get him in the seventh round. Right. And you're able to, like, utilize, like,
2: but Pacheco, is that him? Is that him or is that just anyone could do what he did this year? Pacheco? Yeah, no offense to Pacheco. I have no clue if that's true or not. No, it's,
3: it's not because, remember, they had Clyde's Edward Hilaire, and he was solid. But Pacheco elevated that run game when C- yeah. CEH went down.
2: Yeah, hey, you're, you're probably right. I mean, for listen, the dynasty title, if you say no, I don't know how you define dynasty. I'll add yeah. this. It's ongoing, so you can't really call him a dynasty You know, officially, because let's see how Mahomes' career plays out and Kelsey's career and Andy Reid's career on the sideline. But right now, what do you call them if they're not a dynasty? Well, you would <laughs> ca- you would call them a dynasty if there wasn't one team in the
4: NFL that won six Super Bowls in like you know whatever the time frame was with Belichick and Brady. If that wasn't the comparison, if that wasn't the standard, they would be the dynasty in the NFL well, right th- now.
2: People call the Cowboys from '93 what '90 90 to '93 '90 to '95. They, uh, they
3: uh, won three Super Bowls. So four there years. you go.
2: If they're a dynasty. um, yeah, but what, what I'm this? saying is like Brady and Belichick
4: came in, doubled the championships, right. and they're like, okay, that's the dynasty yeah, standard, that's the bar. Now. But yeah. they did even that Pat-
3: over like a 20 year period. They right. didn't do it like you know six and ten years. They did it three, then they were couldn't win, and they won three again.
4: Yeah, even Pat Mahomes said, you know, we're a dynasty in progress because we ain't done yet. So
2: it feels like you have to win three straight. To be a dynasty, See, I, I, and I no, don't, don't even, agree with that. Like
1: part of it to me, like so many people are so fixated on, like, did you win that game or not? The fact that they are there, there every yeah. year, and they they become like what we think of the Patriots. Like the Patriots didn't win every Super Bowl; they won six, they got to three more. But it's you just know they're going to be in the final. Four. They're going to be a factor as long as he's there, they're a factor. Think
4: about how low people were on the Chiefs after the Eagles lost. They were like, this is not the same team. I'd be surprised if they made it out of the second round. They but lost there was always, five of eight or something. Yeah, but there was always that creeping thought. It's like... I don't know, though. Bet against Reed and Mahomes. They might figure right. it out, and they did. It feels
2: like that everyone's playing for second. Like, it just feels like who wants to be the Utah Jazz next year? Well, it's
3: the, also the fact that, you know, they were talking about this on on the uh, Undisputed this morning, and I'm not going to use the analogy they were using because that's a completely side rabbit trail that I'm not going to lose 20 minutes of our lives conversing about here. But the, the larger point, what they're saying was is Mahomes has only lost three times in the postseason. And Andy's only lost three times in the postseason with Mahomes. And twice was the Brady, one was the Burrow. So, you know, the fact of you are beating almost everyone you come across, to me, has to elevate the conversation, does it not? Of course. 100%. They're an unstoppable force right now. And, and they, find but they've done it
1: with different iterations of the team. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Like one year, yeah, it's Tyreek Hill. Then you don't have him. And now this year you did it with your defense. Like, Last year, they won a game 38-35. 30, yeah. This year, you know, the game's 10-3 at halftime. Right. So last year, you won because of your offense. And your defense wasn't very good. This year, you won because your defense was very good, and your offense just made a couple plays. Right. You know, they've, they've won all different ways. Has a, as a team in
2: NFL history ever won the Super Bowl championship with the tight end being the best receiver on the team, I I, I can't recall Gronk? Patriots Gronk, yeah. but was he better than their receivers and other playmakers? Do you Not think Julian Edelman, West Walker, were better than him? They
1: didn't win with Moss though.
3: They never no, won they with Moss. with
1: Moss. They won with Welker and Edelman. Edelman. Yeah, they won with. I think Gronk is better than Welker Edelman. Like, yeah, they, they were really good though. That would be the one team that you would say they won, and their tight end was the
2: probably best. the best. Yeah
1: weapon they had
2: but their offense was better than this chief's offense overall but yeah it's just interesting to think about
3: really quick guys can i get your comment on a non-audio by it right now because the news is breaking right now that um mike zimmer is going to be the cowboys defensive quarter now you might people out there might be saying how's that breaking news well the reason it's breaking news is because over the weekend apparently rex ryan ripped into adam schefter saying that zimmer is not officially the head coach because the Cowboys had called him back for another interview. And now literally just minutes ago, Mike Zimmer told Ed Warner and Adam Schefter, I am going to be the Cowboys defensive coordinator.
1: That was uh an interesting whole diamond by the way, uh Rob Ryan, Rex's brother, was uh hanging around radio row out there, I wonder if he too was trying to get a job. <laughs> <laughs> but um so Mike Zimmer, now he has he been out of the league for two years?
3: Two years, correct?
1: Yeah, jeez. I, I, I mean, listen, he was a great defensive coach, so good that he got himself a head coaching job. Obviously, um, and then you know they kind of flamed out a little bit in Minnesota. I think that's a, ba- a step back for for Dallas, don't you? I uh, yeah. I mean, for me, it does it does nothing for me. I'm not like, oh man, they got Mike Zimmer
2: who's been on the couch for three years. Like, I I, I know he's had success, great defensive mind. Well, I'm certainly
3: I, a better pick than Rex Ryan, isn't he? I don't know. Rex Ryan was know. a hell of
1: a defensive Rex mind. Rex Ryan
3: hasn't coached in, like, six, yeah. seven years. Right, so his, much his distance from the sure. game. But
1: I would say that Rex Ryan accomplished more as a defensive coordinator than Zimmer. And, you know, it's not relevant to being a literal coach, but he is relevant. He's
2: in, in the public eye. So, like, the Rex Ryan move would be like, oh, okay, I get it.
1: Um, I don't know I, I don't love it put it this way if those were your two highest options I think you probably missed on better options I think that's very fair
2: but isn't the
3: whole Dan Quinn leaving and the process is lazy did didn't that impact some of this
2: is Mike Zimmer way better than him
3: I didn't say he's better I'm just saying Not. that you know Dan Quinn leaving for Washington right. As late, he, he was like the last guy hired as a head coach. So, like, the Cowboys were so late to the the search game that they, I mean, what were their options at this point? I
1: don't know. Could, did they, did they try Mike Vrabel? Did, was Vrabel interested in coaching at all?
3: I didn't see Vrabel as a report anywhere for their DC. That would have been a move that,
1: yeah, I mean, that I actually was. tweeted this out the other day. Um, if a team hired, Belichick to be the head coach, Vrabel to be the defensive coordinator, and Eric Bieniemy to be the offensive coordinator. Wouldn't you feel pretty good about what that team's chances were this year, dude? You would think. Like how? <laughs> it's
3: a good how thing Jerry Jones is dumb and not to, to listen to Mike Gill then.
1: Yeah. <laughs> By the way, Mosher, I, I actually thought about this. He said Zach Ertz as the tight end, was probably the best receiver on the Eagles that year.
3: I was
4: thinking about it, but Alshon Jeffrey was a huge part of that offense. He had an unbelievable catch in that game, Jeffrey. Crazy. Yeah, you, guys, so have, Alsh-
2: you have Alshon Jeffrey. I mean... It- on top there of, was no comparison to Alshon Jeffrey for the Chiefs yesterday. No,
4: on top of a great season from Nelson Aguilar. That season, by him, goes very unnoticed now. You know, five, yeah. six years later. He was
1: the Fair. best we'd seen Nelson Aguilar at that point in his career. In the, yeah, he was a slot guy that year, and he was excellent in that role. You're right. Yeah. All right, coming up at 5 o'clock. Um, in the 5 o'clock hour, we'll get back into some Eagles stuff. Also, Sixers tonight against the Cavs as the Sixers now... You know, this beat thing has really put a damper on a lot.
4: Kyle <laughs> Lowry not expected to play tonight. They should have him Wednesday. Uh That's what the signs are pointing to. By the way, not CeeLo Green. That guy was
1: Jermaine Depree. Oh, duh. Oh, wow. Yeah, Jermaine Dupree. Now, I remember him. He's yeah. in my my era. Legend. Ludacris. Who found him? He was out there last night.
2: Hey,
3: Ludacris has been in movies around. lately. That's where Little he's been. John.
2: Why were they all wearing the average Joe's dodgeball uniforms there? Did you see that? (laughs) The purple Cobras. Yeah,
4: they're the purple
2: Cobras. (laughs) They were. They were just missing Ben
1: Stiller. On roller skates, too. They did it better than the Cobras did. Unreal. (laughs) All right, more Sports Pass coming up live at the Gallery Bar book and Games on 97.3 ESPN.
0: It's the Sports Mike Gill. And I
1: am the voice of the voiceless. On
0: 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app.
1: All right, Sports Bash live, 97.3 ESPN. By the way, Super Bowl next year will be in New Orleans. They had a, uh, so like, you know, every year they have like the, the setup for like the next year's yeah. Super Bowl. They have like a whole visitor center type of thing. I remember that. Got yeah. my little Louisiana. They were giving out beads. And then they had every day, like one day they had gumbo. One day they had um jambalaya. Right, right. They had king cake. Like they had all sorts of like. It's cool. New Orleans Fair in this one little section. They had a great little, like, we had a great spot. We were right next to Bounty, the paper towel. Yeah. And every day they gave out wings and the paper towel. Nice. <laughs> like, look how strong this paper towel believe, is. I though, like, they were giving out wings, like, like two and three times a day they had, like, a line for wings, and, like, it was crazy. Like, That's they cool. were just trying to get people to use the paper the t- towels. Yeah. Pretty good. Like, like, here, you?
2: spill this all over yourself and use our <laughs> paper towel. I mean, listen, Nolens is a legendary city, but... You know, I said, to, I said this to you earlier. How do you not have it after what we witnessed? How do you just not make Vegas the spot now, for the what, Super Bowl? From
1: what I understand, I've never gone to the Super Bowl in New Orleans, but many people say that that is the spot, that they do it the best. Why? I don't know. Like, they just say the way the town's set up and, like, just how it's arranged. Like, I thought Miami was terrible. Yeah, Miami was brutal. I did not like set setup at all. Atlanta's was okay.
2: Okay, yeah, I've never... Into Atlanta, but Miami's Miami, but like logistically, it was a nightmare. Like Las Vegas, they're used to big events. They have the the police and the airport infrastructure, the hotel, the rooms, the
1: entertainment. I mean, it's like it needs to be there, right? It was cool. Like Minnesota was t- was good and bad. Minnesota, I like. I was talking to Johnny Marks about this last week. Uh-huh. He loved Minnesota because he liked the fact that it was in the mall and it was like easy and like. Some people thought, you know, the ball was so cramped. You're in the food court. People were just, like, all over you. Yeah. It was a weird situation. Um, I, you don't think of a ball when you think of the NFL, you know? <laughs> no, but, like, the radio road thing, like, you were in this huge, like, convention center. Uh-huh. It was like Miami. Right. So we were gonna give it, yeah. But, like, the access to Miami was tough to get to. Brutal. That was rough. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, 5 o'clock hours on the way. When we come back, uh, Ryan has not heard any of the Britton Covey comments. We're going to kind of play back some of those comments and react to them because last week on Radio Row, I thought Britton Covey, the conversation
0: we had with him, was very impactful. You'll hear the best of that coming up next. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios here's Mike Gill. Do you feel that the offense never felt fluid?
8: Yes, I do. I do. And and I love Brian Johnson. I mean, he went to Utah. He was my, my <laughs> alma mater, right? And and I don't think it's it's fair to pin he all. He was great there, by the way. Oh, yeah. yeah, on the cover of the NCAA football game. Yeah. I don't think it's fair to pin all the blame on him. And, you know, you pin it just as much on a lot of us. Uh, that was Britton Covey at Radio Row.
1: Part of our conversation, I asked about Brian Johnson. He said, not fair to pin it all on him. you got to pin it on us. Uh, But there's a lot more layers to what he said there, and we'll play those throughout this hour here on the Sports Fast Live 97.3 ESPN. If you weren't able to hear that conversation, I think there's a lot that we can dive back into. And, look, I understand he's not going to come out and say, Brian Johnson was an idiot and he sucked. (laughs) I mean, that's not what I expected him to say. But hopefully we did a good job of kind of furthering the conversation with him of, you know, asking him more questions and you know one of the things I really was thinking about was the offense didn't change like you know we talk about so if the offense was the same terminology and it was the same kind of play and it was like this team should have known this offense inside and out and I asked Brian uh, Britton Covey that very question you know was it the same offense terminology all that Last year,
8: here's what he said. We ran the same offense in our Super Bowl year, so Nick Sirianni's offense was it's not that wasn't the problem, the problem was adjusting to how teams played us.
1: So we ran (laughs) the same offense in our Super Bowl year, that's not the problem. The problem was adjusting, but then isn't that 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 events essentially goes back to then who's at fault there, right? Whose offense isn't adjusting.
2: Yeah. First of all, I give him credit for uh, saying it was, you know, Nick Sirianni's offense. That's cute. Um, Secondly, it is the – Brian Johnson is the problem then, right? Like, and I wonder, were they trying too hard to not change things up? Because we've talked about having a different offensive coordinator and play caller for Jalen Hurts every year. So if you're Brian Johnson, maybe he was trying too hard to keep things the
1: same. And by doing that is actually the reason why he's no longer here. Well, and I think that's the thing is that you heard what he said is look that we we got to a Super Bowl with this guy's offense, so there's something there, but we need it more. So it's not a reason to say you're, you're you're fired. Yeah, we value what you brought, but we need to evolve, and you didn't help us evolve, so we had to bring in someone that will help us get there while keeping the key elements of what helped what you brought to get us to where we needed to get to
2: it's interesting because you look at the Super Bowl year and I remember saying this word for word on another show at one point saying like one thing I give Nick Sirianni credit for in this offense the Super Bowl year that is is they can beat you in a variety of ways I remember saying if they want to run the ball they can do it that's what we thought this team
1: was going to be though and and
2: if they want to attack you deep They're going to do it. If they want to focus RPO heavy and Jalen's running, they can do it. right? Like Their adaptability and beating teams depending on the matchup was something we talked about. So what changed? Because Nick Sirianni talks the talk of, well, I'm going to adapt and I'm going to do things depending on the matchup. You didn't do it once this year.
3: Well, one of the things that might have been a problem, because we didn't get too much into this last week because there was so much chaos at Radio Row, but one of the answers Covey gave was about You know, he thinks, Covey does, when Mike was asking about the offensive coordinator, but it's he says it's difficult for some offensive coordinators to learn how to manage as an OC.
8: It is learning how to manage all of those different talents. It's a lot harder than it looks. People think it's so easy because one game we throw it to AJ, or six-game stretch, and he has 125-plus (laughs) yards. That's right. it's like, let's just keep doing that. And then teams start keying on it, and it's like, why aren't we just running the ball with Swift? We've got Swift. It's a lot harder than it looks. Of course it is. I mean, that, that's the job. It is hard.
1: I don't doubt that. Yeah. You know. Well, and that kind of um, ties into when I asked him if if he thought the team would be better off if they had a more veteran offensive coordinator than giving it to somebody who had never done the job before, and. He kind of said, I mean, he admitted, yeah, like, I think that we probably would have been better served with someone you know, like Shane Sykin. Is he, are you talking about this past year or the hiring of Kellen Moore? No, last year with, okay. with Brian Johnson. Like, when, when Shane left, mm-hmm. Shane was a veteran play caller. Like, I mean, yeah. he was a guy who had, had been an offensive coordinator. Right, he was a coordinator with the
3: Chargers for years.
1: Yeah. And instead of losing someone who was kind of a steady veteran play caller, you go to a guy who's never done it before, and then you're making that guy do it in an offense that he is very unfamiliar with.
3: Yeah. Or at least he should be familiar with and know how to do the job better than he did because Johnson was the QB coach here for two years before he was promoted to OC. So That's
2: that's the baffling part, though. Like, it's not like he's a new play caller, young guy, has never been here, has never been around the quarterback. Like, he was the right-hand man. For multiple years, so like,
3: what happened? Yeah. Well, it goes back to what Covey said. he he was saying, "Listen, some guys just they're not good at managing this stuff, yeah. and maybe that's the you know maybe we we sometimes as people on the radio and sports fans we all do it. We we try to find the answer. We dig so deep that we dig ourselves a hole that we can't dig ourselves out of. We realize that we didn't need to dig dig the hole in the first place.
1: I think what kind of stood out from this little bit of like that we've heard from this is that we had all this talent and even when you have enough talent, if you are, if the other team does a good job of game planning, we all just assume like the Eagles talent was up here and the other team's talent down here. What's the problem? Like we talked about this though, like the difference between the Eagles talent wise and the Giants talent wise, is not all that great? Like the records of teams isn't a clear indication of whose talent's better. A lot of times it's a play here yeah. or a play there. Couple the Giants points. last year won nine games; they went to the playoffs, and then this year they look like a disaster. Right? It's not like you know you just had this complete drop off. But a lot of times the one big difference is the quarterback. Like the quarterback, sure, they have right, the biggest like impact. Like the Chiefs' total roster, fifty three isn't so much more talented than everybody else is. They're kind of in the middle, like, with everybody. They have a player at the quarterback position that elevates them out of the middle of the pack to the kind of upper tier of the pack. Well,
2: I would add, of course, they have the player. We all know that, and I agree, but they have the coach. Like, for me, you look at the Super Bowl year, and what's the big difference? In my opinion, it's the identity of the offense and – the preparation and game plan, right? Like, it feels like, to me, that year, everyone knew the identity of the team, what they were going to do in the first half and the second half. Everyone understood their role. This year, they didn't have an identity, and they didn't know their
3: roles. So, does Whose fault is that? Well, is it, I mean, Brent Covey's saying it's the problem is the OC doesn't do it, but are you suggesting then, Ryan, that Nick Sirianni should have stepped in and been more authoritative with that?
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, allegedly, it's Nick Sirianni's
1: offense, and it's his team. So, I mean, yeah, 2 plus 2 equals 4. I think that, too, though, is the interesting part about this whole Sirianni thing is that he did call plays the first year he was here and did not do a good job of it. But I'm not the guy who says just because you're not a good play caller that you can't be a good head coach.
2: No, I agree with that. I'm not. I don't want him to call plays. I just I want him to do his job better.
1: You know? Yeah. Well, and I say part of being better at your job is understanding when you need to upgrade. And he's saying Kellen yeah. Moore for us is a better, puts us in better position to succeed than Brian Johnson did. I don't believe that. Well, I'm Britton, not saying Brian Johnson's
8: great, right? He had to move on You don't think him. Kellen Moore
3: is the answer? Better. No. Britton Covey disagrees with you. Here's what he said.
8: This year I'm excited because Kellen uses a lot of motion. I definitely think we could have used a lot more motion last year because teams play unique defenses against did us.
1: Did you use less motion this year than you did the year before? No,
8: we didn't. But teams didn't know us the year before. I I don't know. Listen, I
2: know Kellen Moore's had success. I like Kellen Moore. I don't like him, and I hope I'm wrong. I I honestly really do. I don't like him for this job. Because I brought up identity a couple minutes ago. What's the identity of Jalen Hurts? I don't know what Jalen really is right now. In my opinion, I think he's what we saw, of course, in the Super Bowl year. He's a guy that you want to use his legs. You want a strong run game behind him. You want the ball out of his hands quickly. And I don't believe that's Kellen Moore, and that's not a Kellen Moore offense. So we're going to find out quickly, like who Jalen is. Well, I mean, mean, Kellen
3: Moore had Dak Prescott, though. I mean, obviously they're not the same. They're not literally the same. No, but it's not like he had a statue back there in Dallas for those years. They were the number one offense in the league. I,
1: I agree to the extent, like, I'm interested to what Kellen thinks Jalen is. Right. I, I, like, what do you think he is right now? Do you think a high-powered I, flying 50
2: pass the ball 40 times a game I'm is Jalen? i
1: definitely Jaylen? confused on what Jalen is at this point. Me based too. on... The resume we have of him, he had a year in 2022 where he was, or 2021, where he was a pretty average player. Mm-hmm. I thought he did enough to to, sh- to try to show them that I can improve. Yes. In 2022, he obviously improved to the point that he was second in the running for MVP. He was awesome. This year, I don't think he was as bad as... I think he was better than he was in 2021, nowhere close to the guy he was in 2022.
2: So, yeah, what does that leave us with? Now you
1: have three different versions of the same guy. 100%.
2: And the the question is, I'm not necessarily knocking Jalen. I want what's best for him. And I don't know if, like, this could be the complete opposite of what's best for him is my
1: point. We, we may need a version of the
2: Super well, Bowl year, and he's getting the complete opposite of that. you
1: paid him the money you did, he better be the K- Kellen Moore version. Why, The one though? that I think, well, how many over the years we've heard so much that Laurie wants to pass, he wants a team that's going to throw the ball, he wasn't happy that they won that game where they ran too much. That's the point. So then I, I agree to pay you the largest contract in NFL history. Uh-huh. I don't want you to be a guy who can't lead us to victory. You are the guy we pay to lead us to victory.
2: Uh, absolutely, but it's it's about how you lead to victory. Like, do we want Joel? And, do we want how. Joel Embiid to bring the ball up and be the be the guy, the ball handler in pick and roll? No, right. So, like, that's my point—an exaggerated point of this may not be the best system for Jalen Hurts.
3: Well, really quick. So Dak Prescott averaged 35 pass attempts a game in the five years Calamore was offense coordinator. The last two years, Jalen Hurts is averaging 31 attempts. So are you saying that Jalen is incapable of throwing the ball four more times a game? I don't know. That's my that that's my main point, and that's concerning enough to me is that I don't know. You I don't know we, if a guy can throw the ball four more times no, a Josh, game.
2: You're not literal, dude. Like I don't know what Jalen Hurts is identity-wise. It's not. I wish it was as simple as you're painting it, but you know that. You know it's not just four more pass attempts. It's about. the I know it's not
3: literally four more passes. That, that's that's what what I, my what point. I'm, what yes, saying he can throw is it that, four
2: more times a game, but that's not what it's going to be. A whole new system. It's going to be high-powered, pass-heavy offense. That's what
1: they want. But is that that's a what misconception, though? Because the more, like, I didn't like the way that he used Pollard there, and I thought he was in a tough spot because he had Zeke Elliott.
3: Right. They gave Zeke all that money,
1: but you know? when Kellen Moore was there, they actually ran more than they did this year, and they right. had thousand-yard rushers multiple times when he was there. So, is it a misconception that he didn't? utilize his backs. Now, quite frankly, I don't know who the hell the back's going to even be here. I don't think it's going to be Swift. So we don't know who the back is even going to be. (laughs) Maybe sweepstakes? Get involved.
3: Three of his last four years in Dallas, Dallas had a top-ten rushing offense.
1: Yeah, so I think it was a little bit of a misconception. Now, I would say I don't like the way that he used Pollard, but he also had Zeke Elliott there that he had to kind of balance. Like, I think...
2: All right, well, we had
1: the, Pollard when Pollard was healthy and younger and faster and more explosive, but he had to use Elliott because he got paid all the money.
2: All right, so w- one, what's the misconception? Conception And two, how would you classify Kellen Moore? Well, people misconception. What's his style of offense?
3: The misconception is that people think because he has been an aggressive passing play caller that he doesn't run the ball.
2: Okay, but. That's that's my question is, what is he? I what think, is his style? Um, Kellen Moore. He I, had to
1: classify. I think he is a very creative play caller and play designer. I think, like, Dallas had some explosive, explosive offenses. Very. When yes. he was there. Yes. So I definitely think that he, and, and like, young guy, and mind you, he's 35 years old. He was the coordinator down there at like 30 years old. He was young. So he's a young guy, and I think he has probably learned more, got more confident in himself, figured some more things out. So he made a lot of, um, exp- he had a lot of, ex- sorry, sorry, he had a lot of explosive offenses in Dallas. I would think that he has more talent to work with here than he did there.
2: Um. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: I would
2: probably Be- say that because there.
3: realistically, they really only had two receivers. A lot of the years he was in Dallas, where you come to Philadelphia, you could have three or four guys to throw the ball to.
1: Yeah. I mean, he had a young C.D. Lamb. Um. You know, yeah, at the end of the Amari run. Cooper. Amari uh, Cooper. You know, the tight end has always kind of been a, a pretty uh, big piece yeah. of his thing. Kellen
3: Moore's
4: first game in L.A. with the Chargers ran the ball. Two running backs. A combined. 32 times, 16 for Eckler, 16 for Kelly. It's more
0: than I expected.
4: And, exactly, more than I expected. I'm sure that number went down a little bit, especially as Eckler got slower and kind of the wheels fell off towards the end of the season. Well, the whole, yeah, the whole team, yeah. I think fault. we're
2: all missing the point, though. I'm not saying he's never going to run the ball. Like, I'm, the point is the style of offense. Jalen Hurts has been in an RPO foundation offense over the last three years. Is that fair? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, Kellen Moore, is he going to run
1: an RPO Foundation offense? Um, it depends if Sirianni will still have some of his fingerprints on the offense. Right. And all I'm saying is I
2: think it's fair to say maybe Jalen's at his best when the right guy that can have the RPO Foundation offense that's when Jalen's at his best. Maybe
3: he needs to get away from the RPO. Maybe, Maybe. Ba- back to it's too stale. Maybe you've been showing everybody the yeah. same thing for all these years. Maybe someone needs to walk into Jalen and be like, dude, we're doing something else now. Yes. At the very
4: least, there needs to be a backup plan because when and if, or I should say if and when, he hurts his leg again, his knee, his ankle, whatever it might be, that running ability is going to be hindered again midseason.
3: Mm-hmm. What was so weird, though, is I remember the, the three-game stretch that he had when he was really banged up. He had eight touchdowns and one interception in those three games. So it's like right. it's not that he can't throw the ball without running. It's that there are times, that, like when Jason Kelski said they, they weren't creative this year. Like it was getting to the point where, like, Ryan, you can't. We would come on with Gil on Mondays here at Ocean Casino Resort. If I had a dollar for every time you said <laughs> I knew what they were running, yep. I'd be rich by now because you were right. They ran the same stuff so often.
2: Yep. Yeah, they did. It was a problem, right? I'm not sitting here advocating they need to go back to that. My goodness. Rather watch paint dry. Right. So maybe,
3: maybe it's time to be like, Hey, Jillian, we gave you all this money. Uh, you're going to learn new offense, buddy.
1: Yeah. I think he's open to that. I guess the question you're asking is he might be open to it. Is it going to work? But is he, I don't want, is he talented enough? Is he good enough to have more put on his plate as a passer? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Ryan. Did you guys see the report this weekend
4: from Mike Arafolo saying the Eagles are, uh, I believe it was, quote, I forget exactly what they said, but they're essentially encouraging Jalen to be more jovial and happy on the sidelines with his team because of what they saw Pro Bowl weekend. How do you yeah. feel about that? Yeah,
1: that they basically were saying, like, well, uh, and I think it's like them saying, look, you know, he. I think gee, that's is Kelsey case. back? Is he not back? But that Kelsey and Graham and Fletcher, he walked into a team that had some Guys who have been here for a while. Right. Yeah, they were staple leaders. So if they're gone, does he allow his personality to come out a little bit more?
4: Okay, I see what you're saying. Does he become the true leader in that locker room?
2: He was probably why, what? Why is he not already the leader, right? Like, I don't oh, want well, him to be. Covey talked
1: about that. Dave Chappelle, if
2: he's you not Dave by... Chappelle,
3: like, what do we. <laughs> Which part, um, Mike?
1: <laughs> well, Covey talked about Hertz, like, the relationship oh, yeah. that He on has. With Hertz Because I guess Covey had been kind of thrown under the bus a little bit about comments he made, and they got taken out of context. Yeah, here, here's
3: yeah. the first part of what Covey said about Hurts.
8: When we were winning, Jalen's attitude was the reason. And then when we were losing, Jalen's attitude was, you know, it's like it doesn't make any sense. And so Jalen has the support of literally everyone in the locker room. There's not a single person. If you were to ask anyone, We would all laugh because Uh it's just preposterous. Jalen Hurts is so respected in the locker room and across the whole league. Yeah. I I
2: mean, I I completely agree. It's like, come on, we're really – and that's life as a quarterback. Like When your team's not doing well, they're going to look at everything. We're going to analyze and microscope you with everything and anything. But you got to let him be him for better or worse. I agree with those comments.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I, I think a lot of people look at Hurts and wonder what the connection is with him and his teammates because he doesn't show you much. He On the sidelines, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of interaction. He sits by himself. He's very kind of stoic in his ways. How's Mahomes wonder, on the sideline? The opposite. I don't, I don't know that we notice him as much. Right.
4: <laughs> yeah, He's fiery. I mean, at the very least, I'm not expecting Jalen Hurts to be this rah-rah guy as we talked about all year because he's not that. He's not going to be what Travis Kelsey did last night, screaming in Sirianni's face. But is it too much to ask to just simply communicate with your guys, like walk over to them? talk to them maybe he does look we yeah, don't get do to see know? the camera all game long yeah, right true. we don't know you he's know?
2: talking to him in the huddle he's talking like we don't know we're just ma- we're taking
6: bold leaps from we're what taking we get, assumptions. Yes.
4: i just think i would like to see him a little bit more mobile on that sideline checking in with his guys. he doesn't need to be screaming he doesn't need to be crying he doesn't need to be emotional just keep his even keel mindset and just try and communicate a little better that's all i want but like you said we don't see every single angle for right. the entire you know Uh, Length of the game. And
3: and really quick, if I can play the other half of what Covey said, I thought the other part we said about Hertz was interesting because I I had no idea that Covey and Hertz sat together on the plane rides together. I thought that was interesting here.
8: Jalen, literally, I love sitting by Jalen on the flights because I laugh (laughs) the whole time. What does he do? (laughs) He's just, he loves to be in conversation about random things. I don't know. He's just, (laughs) he's just a really good friend.
1: You know, you get a little insight that, you know, his personality is a little different maybe Yeah. on the flight. Right. We don't know. I forget someone else said it too in Eagle
2: this year where they're like, it's so funny to watch Jalen at the podium because that's the opposite of who he
1: really is. Can you play the one real fast where he talked about uh, Sirianni
8: um, being authentic?
3: Yep. I got it right here. Mm
8: -hmm. I've had players and quarterbacks who – try and be something they're not, and it just rings hollow, right? I've had coaches like that, too. Nick's a great delegator. He really is a good delegator. He's really smart offensively. Like, he's an unbelievable receivers coach, actually, because that's what he started as. He he is very detailed as a receivers coach. So he talked about, like, Hmm. um, other coaches he's played for
1: being hollow in the way that they act, and I thought that's kind of interesting, you know, because some people, they don't know what to think of Nick.
2: I'm, I am certainly one of those people. <laughs> I,
1: I don't. I can't question people who can't put their finger. I, I'm not sure that I can put my finger on what he is or what he isn't. I know yeah. what he's not, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay that he's not the play caller. Uh, me, me. I too. actually prefer that he's not the play caller. Yeah,
2: I, that's that means nothing to me. You know, it's about being a head coach and fair or unfair. Maybe he's super authentic. It's just how he comes off. He comes off as the fakest, least
1: authentic person ever. You know? And maybe that's not true. That's just how I read him. All right, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Hey, want to tell you about my friends at Progressive Fence and Railing, your secret weapon for adorable fence and railing. Man, the weather, again, beautiful out. It's been uh, nice and warm. Start thinking about a deck for the spring and summer season, an awning because it's too hot, you need the shade. They've got the Magic Touch experience, top notch quality, impeccable craftsmanship, and finance options to fit your budget. Grab a free estimate today. Visit Progressive Fence and Rail. When we come back, Sixers Cavs tonight. Are the Sixers worth investing your time in? Coming up for Sports Bash 973
0: ESPN. Go. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 973 ESPN and the free mobile app. Alright, welcome back,
1: Sports Bash Live 973 ESPN. By the way, Super Bowl odds for next year are out. Favorite is Kansas City. Five to one. San Francisco six to one who's number three hmm Dallas no I don't know um
2: Lions that would make sense uh, I would say I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Baltimore
1: Detroit A seven low. to one I'll give it to Danny Ross <gasps> Ravens 12 to one <gasps> ah. Buffalo 14 to one Cincinnati Sixteen to one. That's my. That would be my bet right now. They did not make the playoffs last year. They're sixty-one. Green Bay, sixteen to one. Uh. Dallas, eighteen to one. <laughs> Miami, eighteen to one. That's a good one. Philadelphia, uh. eighteen to one. Now he's saying, "Oh, uh, yeah, you're saying uh, I'm to I'm every thinking, single like, one." Isn't that encouraging that they actually are putting you way higher than the way this season ended? Yeah, they should be 180 to 1. Like, 18 to 1? <laughs> I think you you almost jump on them now. Who the? Who? The Eagles. That's the I'm best not price jumping anywhere get. near them. But, yes, if you want to jump. If you think, okay, if your prognostication is that Howie's going to have a good off season mm-hmm. and that the offense is going to turn things around, yes. then you would say 18 to 1. That's the best price you're going to get.
2: I would agree. Yeah, I hear you. I would agree. I like uh how about the Chargers? Where are they at?
1: Twenty-two to one, right past the Eagles. There you go. Uh Houston twenty-five to one, the Jets twenty-five to one, Atlanta thirty-three, Cleveland thirty-three, Jacksonville thirty-three. That's a little low. The Rams 33. Bears, Colts 40, Vikings, Tampa Bay 50, Steelers and Seahawks 66. Oh. Arizona and the Raiders 75. And then Broncos, Patriots, Saints, Giants, Titans, Commanders uh, are all 100, and Panthers are 150. I mean, the Eagles are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. They are ninth overall. So they are the ninth best odds to win the Super Bowl next year. I mean, that sounds a lot more encouraging than the way this season ended, don't you think? I mean,
2: yes, it, it absolutely it does. But if you actually think about it, you know, they're like the ninth or tenth best team, I
1: guess, right now. In an average league. <laughs> well, they made the playoffs this year and seemingly were the worst team in the playoffs. They were. So that means they were 14th. Right. But that's that—that's the point, right? Like, they're right around, to, I would say, 8 to 15. That's their range right now. So uh, this, to me, sounds encouraging that if you are 9th right now, mm-hmm. you're going to improve from the team that left the field I, mean, uh, on, I in Tampa. I hope so poor well, right? I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I hope they. I cannot see a scenario where they went out, and got two veteran coordinators, and said, "We're not going to do anything this all season. You're getting what you get." Yeah, I- it's Howie needs to start spending some money. I know he doesn't have a ton of money to work with, but yeah, that stuff doesn't really. Whatever, he'll figure that out. Okay, you know what I mean. I he hope is he good does. at
4: managing the budget, but he's not, like you said, very willing for certain positions to fork over the bread. Yes.
1: Yeah, I just think like.
2: You need to start getting some impact players right now, not some guys that we're drafting. That's going to take another two, three years. Yeah,
1: well, and, and you know what's interesting? This off season should be fun. Like if we're kind of like, okay, the football's over. Now what? Um, and we're going to get into the Sixers, and they're you know they play a night against Cleveland, and they're, what's up for them? The Phillies start on Wednesday. I think this Eagles off season is going to be really exciting. Yeah, absolutely it is. And Howie
2: always crushes it, to your point. Like, the draft's going well, to be exciting for your
1: agency. To be fair, this past offseason wasn't all that crazy. No, I guess it wasn't. Because you had the pieces in place. The draft just- was. You thought you had a good... But I, but this is why I think this off season is going to be interesting. Now, last year you had the two first-round picks. This year you have three picks in the top 55. Plus... What I think is going to be a more, like last year in free agency, you were not very aggressive mm-hmm. because you kind of had the pieces in place. You went out and got um A.J. Brown and Reddick and Bradbury the year before. Yeah. So last year in free agency, you kind of sat that one out because you had the draft picks. You right. had the two picks and that you were more aggressive on that day. Now, you have obviously have to make moves in free agency. But you also have three picks in the top 55, which is going to make draft night kind of intriguing as well. Yeah, a- absolutely it is. They have a lot, they
2: have a lot of work to do, but then you also say, man, like they're still, we still think they're talented on paper. So it's going to be fun.
1: It's definitely the, the, the Eagles off season is definitely going to be the, probably the more, most intriguing thing in Philly sports for a little while here because the huh. Sixers. Absolutely.
2: I mean, they're always at the top anyway, but especially this year. Yeah, but,
1: like, the Sixers, you know, they, they are generally, like, okay, now they're in the playoff. Like, I don't know what's going to happen here, man. I, I you know, They made these moves. I don't know what to think of them. I, I, I don't think any. I know what to think of them. Unless Embiid's playing, I don't think anything. That's what I think. That's Embiid's the bottom not line. playing. How do you invest in this team? You're, you're right. But
2: I think we can try and sit back and assess, okay, well, given the injury, do we like that? The decisions
1: that Daryl Morey made? I think these decisions were made with two things in mind. It doesn't change our financial right. salary situations. We, we got expirings back, yeah. we got expirings out. That's important. We needed some talent to help Maxie out. I don't want to have him take a step back or get a setback mm-hmm. mentally because he feels like he can't carry this team all by himself. So at least I have an NBA player. And healed who can carry us for games. And I think Lowry is a player that's a veteran who Nurse knows well. Yes. So I don't think these moves were made with, hey, let's try to go win the title without Joel Embiid. It was more, let's keep Maxie in mind and see if we can, like, you know, maybe change our style a little bit and keep us afloat and hope Joel comes back and... Who knows? But <laughs> yeah. it's not – look, none of these scenarios are great.
2: No. Do you think they're better with the healthy Joel Embiid? I, that's the important question. Impossible to answer, but a fun conversation. I do. You think they're better?
4: I think their spacing is much better, yeah.
2: I yeah, mean, I mean and if obviously the
1: lineup out there with Joel Embiid, Maxie, Buddy Heald, um, you Harris. know, Batum, and Harris, that's a pretty well – like – Different Funny. dynamics and off the yeah. bench,
4: De'Anthony Melton, Kelly Oubre,
1: Kane. I, I mean, I almost would
4: rather Robert see Oubre Kevinson? in Start.
1: Harris's place.
2: That's good. Yeah, that will never happen. But I, I love the idea of Tobias being six man, but I don't think they'll do it.
1: Um, like, what if if that say Joel is back and healthy? What's the with this group now? The depth's a lot different. Like you have, you have an offensive player in or a better offensive player in Lowry, and he's a good defensive player. He's not great anymore, but he was. He's a tough minded. He's not as good as. Beverly.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't know what to make of Kyle Lowry right now, but yes. Yeah, do yes. I. I think he's a value. He's best case scenario. He's a valuable piece. Off put the it bench. this right
1: He can run the team for stretches and let Maxie kind of go to the two.
2: We can run the team when Maxie's not on the floor for five minutes a game. That's like right, the biggest their
1: thing. problem. They were having is Beverly was not. No, Beverly that. can't do that. So
4: now we're assuming, and I, not that I disagree, but we're assuming now Lowry's the backup point guard over Campaign, correct? Since
2: he's a veteran, he's got more years on him. I would think so. Yes, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they'll they'll probably flip back and forth in that role, but right. at the end of the day, in a big game, Nick Nurse is going to go to,
1: you know, Kyle in Lowry. I mean, yeah. Campaign. If you, if you told me you get the guy from Phoenix like three years ago, that guy looked like he was emerging oh. as like a, you know, like
4: hey,
2: dude, Campaign. Averages six points a game. He knocks down a three or two. That's what he's going to give this team. Yeah, exactly. Like, let's
1: be real.
4: He got his career high in one of his first games with us. So oh, I'm yeah.
1: not. Uh, I'm not all that uh, intrigued by him. No. The Lowry thing I can understand. I mean, look, like we talked about a little earlier. Beverly just doesn't offer much offensively at all. No, but um, yeah, you, you, you're. Taking him because he's a tough guy, he's a great personality, great leader, of minded guy. But the thing with like and like Marcus Morris, you felt that like you had those guys that you've been lacking, like what you thought PJ Tucker was gonna be, that tough guy in the playoffs, no one's gonna push us around, and now you those guys that. have both been eradicated.
2: Right. You need that identity in the playoffs, right? Like you need some dogs. Like you bottom line, you need some cockiness, you need some toughness. And now you say, Well, where is that?
1: Well, I mean, you got Maxi, you got Oubre, you've got. Now I'm talking just like, right. um, like, what, how much, what's the, the depth in terms of how deep this team goes all the time? Like, I'm saying if Joel Embiid's back, you got to look at this. They made these moves and they're hoping. I mean, we played that play earlier from Daryl Morey. It, you know, he sounded like he was hopeful that Embiid would return.
2: Of course. So man. if you
1: have him back, yeah, what's like, how deep does this team go?
2: Well, you go, the starting five is Maxi. Uh, Buddy Heald, Tobias Harris, Embiid, and then you have a decision to make. Do you put Batum in there as the fifth starter, or do you put Kelly Oubre? I would lean Oubre, but, you know, we'll see.
4: I think I'd lead Batum just because there's so many guys in that starting rotation that have to get the ball, where he's great with entry passes, He's kind of the glue in the offense, where if Oubre is coming off your bench, you have a valid scoring option off your bench to pair with, you know, D'Anthony Melton, a guy like Kyle Lowry maybe if he brings us anything in this signing. Yeah, I, I have for two.
1: like more options here. Like you got Maxi Lowry, Ubre, Melton, Healed. Uh-huh. Like y- your backcourt is definitely you have
2: some more. You have some more punch, like a heavier punch.
1: Right, your backcourt's deeper. You got five ball handling type of guys. Yeah. And they all kind of do something different, like Maxi's the score, Lowry's kind of the tough guy, Melton defense can knock down threes, Oubre can put the ball on the floor, he can shoot the three, Heald obviously is a little bit more one-dimensional, so you've got a group of five there. Yeah, absolutely. Then you're Harris, Batum... Well, yeah. I mean, Harris,
2: Batum, I love what Melton has brought with this team, his 3 and D. We've talked about Melton. Um, You know
4: what's interesting, too? Heald's going to start. They traded for him. He's a better scorer.
2: 100%. But they'll probably get similar
4: minutes come playoff time because Melton's the better guard defensively.
2: Who? Melton and
4: Heald? Between Melton and Heald. I'm not going to say Melton's going to start over Heald regularly because he's the better offensive player. But I think come playoff time, they'll get very similar minutes due to Melton's defense.
2: Yeah. Maybe I think Melton's going to play like twenty minutes fifth, you know, twenty minutes a game. But healed, the Sixers have never had a guy like Buddy Hield in the Joel beat era. A guy that that can score, dude. He can shoot it and he can put it on the on the yeah, floor. I, like he can score.
1: I would say he is a, mm-hmm. I guess the closest player that they've had would be maybe Redick.
4: Well, that's what I was going to say. Seth Curry and Redick shot, but they couldn't score at the rim for their lives. Buddy Heald, as we saw in the first few games, can do that when called upon.
1: Exactly. So that's –
2: he's going to be valuable in fourth quarters. Well, he has the potential to be valuable in fourth quarter playoffs.
1: Well, what I will say is if Buddy Heald can knock down jumpers, he should get open looks because of Maxie's penetration, Joel, the two-man game. Mm -hmm. You double the way Joel's finding guys. If Maxie – excuse me, Buddy Heald – can move well without the ball and find spots on the court. And then the big thing will be if Buddy Heal can make that extra pass, like yeah. to an Oubre or a Batum. Right. There should be, because Buddy will draw attention.
2: Right, but you just hit the nail on the head. There's already so much movement in a Nick Nurse offense. So if you're playing two-man game with Maxi and Embiid, you have Oubre cut into the rim while wow, that's going on. So and then
1: you he- have a decision off the ball – do you go to Heald or do you let Ubre dunk? So, have you talked yourself into being more excited about this team with Joel? No, because. <laughs> <laughs> I have.
2: Because there's potential, but my problem is the roster turnover. There's Keyword. been too much of it. And. By the way, Harris competes? is
1: out tonight. Okay, officially out. There you go. Nice. Mobamba is in. Yay! Uh, That's let's cool go. If they Mo- brought Mo uh, Obama to do a little uh, part of the Usher last night. That's true. Oh. That's what it was missing. <laughs> oh, they'd have to bring out, uh, uh, what's the guy's name? Check West? Yeah, something like that. Check West. <laughs> they were uh, childhood friends, apparently. All right, more sports bash. We'll wrap up the show on the other side here live at the gallery, bar, book, and games at Ocean Casino.
0: In Atlantic City. It's this Mike Gill. Do
4: I have everybody's attention
0: now? On 97.3 ESPN. And the 973 ESPN free mobile app.
1: Alright, we're getting ready to wrap up. Uh first show back from Vegas. Still a little uh still a little uh Yeah you know, rusty. It's a little bit. Sure. Those shows are wild, man. Like things are happening, people are walking around, you're getting distracted. But you're trying to keep it, like, you know, focused. Yeah. So it was Focus. what time there when you guys would hop off the show? 3 o'clock. Three like, o'clock. right now, it's 3 o'clock out there. Gotcha. So, yeah, we would start at 11 a.m., and then we're done by 3. rest of the night ahead of you. We did, like, but, you know, when we, we got there Tuesday night, and, you know, we, we, the next day, you start at 11. But we're up. You're still waking up like East Coast time, so it was like five thirty in yeah. the morning. Yeah, like five. And you're waking minutes. up, and you're kind of like, uh, you know. And then, did like, you have any good meals? No. Okay. <laughs> no, we did not. All right. Um Actually, I take that back. So, remember reraw that used to be over at the quarter? Yeah. They had a reraw out there, and we went there. And the food, I mean, they have solid food there, but, um, you know, was it wasn't like a steak. You're talking about like a steak, like one of the yeah, steaks. Yeah, something. We whatever. did not do that.
0: I got you. Um,
1: it was rather pricey. I, I, yes. It's pricey out there to begin I mean, with. It was like $13. It felt
4: like I was at a Phillies game for a beer. <laughs> I say it that you and the Schweiner did not see that li- uh
1: Vegas Golden Knights game. Yeah. No. And, and like when we landed, our flight was like a little bit delayed. Not delayed taking off but because there was a headwind there was like a half hour delay So by the time we landed in vegas it was almost like seven o'clock uh,
4: just doing too much at that point yeah
1: but what's funny is we got there so we put our bags in the room i give the girl my name my id here he goes mr gill right around there 30 seconds swine <laughs> 15 minutes i didn't know where he was they didn't have his name and I said, "Did you? You probably picked up the phone actually and called for the reservation, didn't
2: you?" <laughs> yeah, right. He lost the uh, the confirmation number. He's in like a broom closet on the,
1: yes. <laughs> on the 30th floor. So he had the black cloud following him around <laughs> the whole time we were there. Why? Any really like any other good stories? Oh, I have a million of them. He was great. He was perfect to have out there with us because awesome. he was the foil who doesn't like to be the foil. Yeah, he was yeah. the foil, nice, like every time. <laughs> um, but. So, he and I were like, alright, we'll go walk around, we'll go see the, stuff, like, check out the place. We go walk in, and we met up with the book, Dave Sharapan, uh, who's on his show nice. every weekend. Uh, great dude, what a nice guy he is. But we were sitting in the sports book there, and randomly, out of nowhere, the two guys that I'm like, pretty close with just, I'm like, what are you two guys doing here? We hung out with those guys for a while. Like local guys around here? No, no, just guys that I had, you know, known from, from working and stuff. Gotcha. But, so we ended up going to, walking and we went to Rera. huh. Well, the girl bartender at Rera yeah. knew the guys, Patty and Gavin and all the guys, uh, that worked at the Rera here in Atlantic City. It's wild, dude. Yeah. Such a small world. So it was cool because I was like, oh, we had a, we had a Rera in Atlantic City. Yeah. And... She likes, like, oh, you know, Patty? I was like, yeah, Big Patty. She's like, yeah, he's over at the beer garden now. Wow. <laughs> oh, hey, Big Patty, what's up, buddy? That's awesome. All right, uh, we're at the gallery bar booking games every Monday. Back again next week. Have a great night, everybody.